0: And we're back talking about the Beatles on the Overnightscape Central. And this is this is getting exciting. Uh I think we're gonna go ahead with uh, album by album, with you know, it's some provisos for those who aren't gonna listen to the albums to talk about stuff so we don't like chase people away from the central. But uh yeah, welcome to Overnight Scape Central 2023 and the Beatles. Uh, yeah, we're running a little late, but I think we can get this into a schedule and roll with it. And uh, we've got the Shambles Constant, the artist Shaman Q, and Frank Edward Nora here for this second part of Beatles in general. And indeed, if you have some general observations about the Beatles uh, at any time during this, those... That send them in. Uh we we can do a really interesting and both people who are crazy Beatle fanatics and people who are outside of that uh making their impressions known. Because a lot of this is it's a timing thing. You had to be there all that. Um Q will have some things relating to uh, what he discussed with the Beatles and the Wheel of Time shortly. Uh, but let's just get the ball rolling here. I'm PQ River in case you didn't know. And uh we're gonna hand the floor over to uh on uh, my fellow host on the Overnightscape Underground. Uh returning to the Overnightscape Central after uh quite a hiatus. Here's Shambles Constant. (sighs) This is
1: difficult. (laughs) First off, I haven't submitted anything for Central in quite some time. Um, If it's been three years since I've submitted anything, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I did a couple times in 2020, but like during the height of the whole pandemic lockdown Shtick, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. <laughs> anyway, this is shambles, um, and yeah, I, I discussed this recently on Radio Free Shambles, and in fact, um, it was in a clip that was played in the uh, UG track, um, summarizing or reviewing or acknowledging. <laughs> the uh, December 2022 shows um, where I was talking about, uh, you know, that I should just submit immediately after I see the post, you know, or like record and then set it right away so that I get my, cause I want to, I do want to submit to this show cause I love this show. This is a great show. um, But, uh, and then I see that the topic is the Beatles and I, I, uh, didn't realize until the first Beatles, um, episode was released that that was even going on. Um, cause that, that got released very quickly after, uh, the central before that. So then I thought, well, that's fine. I'll just submit to the second one. And, uh, then I, I've been running sound for a play and I wrapped that up this weekend and there've been various things going on. And blah, 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 blah. Um, And then next thing I know it's Wednesday and I'm like, I should probably listen to the Beatles one, not Beatles one, like the greatest hits, but like the, the first Beatles central episode before I record for the second one. And plus I was working, so I had to do that anyway. So I listened to it. I'm like, this is great. I don't, uh, what am I going to say about this band that's been so important to me since I was like 12 and I'm now almost 48, you know, it's like 36 years, right? Math. Yeah. 36 years. And I don't listen to them as often as I used to, but I do still hear the Beatles songs all the time on the radio. Cause I do listen to a lot of oldies, um, on Sirius XM and you know, I think, man, if I didn't like the Beatles, this would be like torture because you hear them all the time or references to them in various TV shows and movies and books and you know and the Beatles you know changed the world as you guys were saying in the last show um and uh I did have an idea that I was going to do a recording where I discussed all of the Beatles songs Um, My idea for it was I was going to do one a day like I would start with basically like uh, It's like do you start with the the official releases, you know with please please me and love me do or do you? Start way back with the early tracks that they recorded You know that were released on the anthology, you know where they did that'll be the day and um, you'll be mine and uh, in spite of all the danger you know it feels like you know are you a completist or you just want to talk about you know and there's something in me that says I want to I want to discuss it all I want to talk about it all baby you know <laughs> baby you're a rich man Um, and uh, I, I just want to like like I want to do the definitive recording about the Beatles which I would probably—I was thinking about doing it as a, as a really long, middle eight dream state episode. That's the cat, and the name middle eight dream state was partially inspired by the Beatles, because they were talk about the, you know oh we got to we got to write the middle eight. It, it was that was even parodied in a in a Ruddles song. Um, <laughs> the Ruddles could be a whole topic in and of itself as well. Um, but. Uh, you know, so that that's kind of where that... Part of where that name came from. Um, you know, Middle Eight Dream State. Like, uh, like you're writing the main part of the song. And then, oh, we got to come up with the bridge. And then you have the character go into a dream, like in uh, um, A Day in the Life. You know? And John's like, you know... I read the news today, oh boy. About a lucky man who made the grade. And he goes through all these horrible things are happening. And then it cuts to Paul. <laughs> he's like, Oh, woke up fell out a bed <laughs> and he, he's going to the bus and he's waiting to go to work and, you know, and then like somebody, like he started to smoke a cigarette and somebody spoke and he went into a dream, like middle eight dream state, um, I think I put that phrase in a poem I wrote a long time ago. I, th- I, I think that's where that came from. Like, or that's that's what I did with it, rather. But I was going to do a recording, and I was going to add to it every single day, you know? Like, the first day, t- let's let's say I was going to go back to, like, the those early songs that they recorded, you know? Do, like, That'll Be the Day, and talk briefly about that. And then the next day, I'd record, like, here's where they, they wrote In Spite of All the Danger, and I think it was George and Paul that wrote that one, and, you know, and... Or you could just do the releases. You could just do, um, start with the first album, like PQ was kind of talking about. And it's just such a huge topic that, and I, I'm resisting this in a way because it's like, I, I want to say everything. And I can't say everything, you know, in one brief little recording. So this is going to be actually pretty short. Um, Partially because I want to get it submitted to PQ so that hopefully it'll end up in this episode if I don't make it in time. And I left him a a comment on, on Sug, but, uh, if I don't make it, if he's got to release it, that's fine. You know, I'll just, uh, you know, it can, it can be in the next central, but anyway, this is saying my piece at least (laughs) give peace a chance. Um, so and uh, I, I find oddly it's raining right now outside and when the rain comes They run and hide their heads. They might as well be dead when the rain comes um, It's like Beatles songs like affect so many different things in my life and it's like Touch on so many things and even if I'm not actively listening to them all the time like and I've made playlists on Amazon and I used to make mixtapes. I had a project going at one time um, in the 90s i think where i was gonna call it alpha beatles and i was gonna make a series of mixtapes where i would put all the beatles songs into alphabetical order which of course would be a lot easier today with current technology (laughs) and i did i think the first one like a 90 minute tape and i don't remember you know it started off with like act naturally or across the universe or uh, is there one uh, I don't know altogether now was in there and I'm, I'm trying to think alphabetically what's the first one it depends on if you count like you know the letter like the word a at the beginning or if you count the second I don't know anyway <laughs> but I did like the first cassette of that which I've lost of course on um, a 90 minute and I, I wish I could remember how how far I got uh, you know what the last song on that tape was but I, I I don't know I'd have to do it a second time not a second time um, so but you know, they they've been a very very important band to me um, and uh, I don't know it's hard to sum up so I think I'm really just gonna leave it at that just so I basically just emphasize to you this band's importance to me and, um, I've, I've, I've expressed my enthusiasm and I think that's going to have to be enough for today. But, uh, if you guys are going to do more, if you're going to talk about their albums or songs or, or whatever, you know, count me in, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, recording something about them one way or another. So if it's, uh, if it's not my own um long long recording <laughs> or series of recordings uh, you know I'll contribute to central or if uh, pq wants to put it on you know um you know like some of his patch shows or whatever it is um that he's wanting to do now uh, uh you know that's so be it my cat is going crazy the cat is going nuts I don't know why. I don't know if it's the rain that's affecting him. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think right now. I'm so tired. I haven't slept a wink. I'm so tired. My mind is on the blink. I wonder, should I get up and fix myself a drink? No, no, no. So much to talk about with this band. Their songs, their movies, their... Um, Books. John Lennon wrote some books. Um I think they've I think Paul and George both wrote autobiographies. Is that right? I don't know if Ringo wrote any songs. Or sorry, I don't remember if Ringo wrote any books. I know he wrote some songs. Um but yeah, there's just so much to talk about. Like during the band's heyday, their solo, um, their um, various uh disputes. Um <laughs> it's um the uh the whole get back thing that came out on Disney a while back and I mean there's a lot but I'm gonna leave it at that and I'm just gonna tell you that my favorite Beatles songs are Strawberry Fields Forever and In My Life and um Something is Amazing um here comes the sun my family has kind of adopted here comes the sun is our own kind of our, our own theme song uh Penny Lane is awesome I love Penny Lane um I tend to gravitate toward the later Beatles stuff but um you know the early Beatles was great too but just you know when they were really experimenting in in the studio and they're coming up with um you know 10 new songs a day and it, you know it was just that was an amazing time for that, for that band. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to let it be, <laughs> by the way, PQ, I completely agree with you about the long and winding road. Um, To the point that I really have never liked the song. I don't know if um, from what you were talking, you sounded like maybe you kind of came to appreciate it in later years, but uh, yeah, I, for some reason, I've never liked that one. I love probably all the other, all all the other songs on let it be, but the long unwinding road is kind of great. You know, the one on let it be naked isn't too bad. So it's probably all the extra, you know, orchestration and instrumentation that, that, uh, freaking Phil, um, Spector added. I don't even want to talk about him, but, you know, I, I've never liked that song, but that's one of a very few Beatles songs that I've never liked that one. And maybe I have to think about this. I'm not even sure if there are any other ones that I can think of right now. I mean, there are some that are like, eh, I can like I can take or leave like uh, like some of the B sides, like I'll get you it's like, eh, whatever, you know, but there's hardly any of their songs that I would actually say that I, I dislike. And that's, that's a rarity. Like, um, that's probably the only band that I could say that about. So anyway, I'm going to sign off now or I'll never get this, uh, submitted. So, um, back to you till next time.
0: Yeah, Shambles. Oh, good to have you back. It, it really is. And uh, I hope you're going to continue because we've got a lot of Beatles to get to. And uh, I hope we can maintain. You sound... I-, I like the enthusiasm. I really do. And uh, I also like that we can agree on... Uh,
2: many times I've been alone, little
0: crowded. And yeah, you can sort of blame it on Phil Spector. But, I, you know... John and Paul, at the very least, had some sort of discerning ear. And the Beatles could still listen to those masters and say, you know, Apple Records or whoever, maybe we should try something else here. And they didn't. And they also released that film, which I don't know who... I mean, they won't even show it anymore. And the Festival of Light Music, no, they won't play us that either. But, yeah, yeah, complaining Berman. Oh, what a guy. And uh, in any case, uh, we are in line here. And, oh, man, it's so good. And speaking of which, oh, oh boy, uh, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the Artist Shaman Q last week mentioned a very interesting thing about the Beatles music, the phenomenon of you could really remember the first time you heard specific songs, albums, their music was so new and different in the actual moment of the times that uh, it became an event that Stuck with them. That's part of probably why people like myself and others from the era just got so excited about this, and the enthusiasm echoed at least a generation, if not two. I mean, now I talk to uh, younger people who weren't exposed to Beetle, and yeah, they're nice, and yeah, I saw that on Netflix. Yeah, that it, it's they're never gonna feel that I don't think. What, you know, I feel, what Frank feels, what people we know on the channel who may or may not participate. I know Peter Bernard of uh Dogman Story Fame and Those American Girls, and he has a history with the channel, and he's a enormous Beatle fan, but I I he's way too busy. And uh, I don't think we would get him in on this. But the Beatles oh and uh yeah as I said let's uh, check out I put these kind of in my head in chronological order of release that uh might not be the order in which Q recorded these but uh let's start off these recordings of Q I believe yeah he starts by talking about the Revolver album
3: Uh
4: When the Beatles album Revolver first came out, I happened to be on a trip with my parents in an RV, which was constantly breaking down and it had broken down somewhere in Louisiana and a rainstorm had come in, creating a lake in the park around our RV. So our RV was like an island in the middle of all this water. I had purchased the Revolver album prior to this happening although I didn't have a turntable. So there I was meditating on the cover. Now ironically I had seen the cover prior to the album's release and that my father had somehow gone to a printing company in San Francisco and at the time various album covers were printed in other locations around the globe and then packaged for that particular area. So he had got a pre-album revolver cover and it was not wrapped around the uh, the package, so to speak. So it was a print of the ink drawing that became the revolver cover. So my memory of revolver was meditating on that experience in the middle of an artificial lake in a broken down RV
0: somewhere in the middle of Louisiana. The revolver. Oh boy, cue revolver. What that that? Generally speaking, I mean, I do change my mind from moment to moment, but the revolver album is probably my favorite, and I, and that cover, that cover just, I can remember how much it threw. I mean, the cover used to be like part of the, the whole. You got the album, and and I would you'd fetish. I would stare at the cover and bop back and forth to the music and uh, i first saw revolver and the cover my parents had recently divorced and i was on some visitation at my father's and the beatles had suddenly become hip i mean when i was a little kid playing yeah 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 she loves you uh that was not resonating with either of my parents besides oh isn't that cute a uh, little pq little brett he's playing that phonograph and pretending to be a dj but the beatles had progressed and that was part of the magic of the beatles they did take on i mean by the help album there were songs that were dylan-esque and that was really the beginning of the transition i'd say but by revolver they were in i mean Listen to the beginning of that album with all the one, two, one, two, do nobody made a record that sounded like that before. And yeah, knocked little PQ River's socks off. But what was notable about the album cover in a world of bright colors and this is the sixties and pop art and all of that, I mean it wasn't quite into the psychedelic era yet. The album cover was pretty much black and white. And that back cover with them all with the funny glasses. uh, As a kid, that was just mysterious. And the front cover that looked like somebody in high school drew it or something. Mysterious and magical and inexplicable to little P.Q. River. And... Moving along with uh, Q's uh, memories attached with the Beatles, our, our next stop.
4: My second submission for hearing a Beatle tune for the first time, where was I? Well, I'd like to go to um, Sergeant Pepper and at the time, actually, Beatles songs were premiered on the radio. So you didn't know if it was going to be a Beatles song or what you were hearing, you would be driving along and I was driving my car and A Day in the Life from Sgt. Pepper came on. At the time, it came on with the I Can Turn You On section, which is a large swell of a complete orchestra. So I hadn't heard any of the beginning vocals. I was hearing a abstract swelling of every note, which caused me to take my car off the road and drive it up on the pavement, stop the car and sit there in total shock, realizing that it was the Beatles and that they were moving the world once again into a new assemblage point. My recollection of a day in my life.
0: I, I could almost see that. The, well, the Sgt. Pepper album, while I still contend it's very... It changed a lot of things, but so overrated looking back, maybe. I mean, at the time, yes, there, there was nothing like it. It changed everything. But if you want to listen to the best Beatle album, to me, there are several that I would listen to before Sergeant Pepper. And the fact that they play it up so much works against it for me as a you know beetle fan of long-standing it's like yeah but sorry and a day in the life oh boy you picked one especially I mean, I can see that middle part where you're talking about, if you didn't hear the rest of it, and it's some afternoon in 1967, and you're just driving your car to school expecting to hear, you know, maybe White Room by The Cream, and, you know, there's some rock and roll or a poppy song, and it's all crazy like that. Um, yeah. It could be alarming. I did drive up on the sidewalk. That's impressive. I I don't think anything has shocked me to the point where I have actually left the road. But uh, it's a great story. And even if you're exaggerating, I'll take it. Because that does add such a... uh, The point that this moment was just so strange uh i'm trying to think of a moment in radio where something was played and presented as a hit and it just made uh maybe songs like pop music by m in its day i mean now it just sounds like you know pop piece of crap but again that was something that i had never heard anything like it so it had that added power and resonance and yeah that they did it once the beatles did this time after time i mean at the beginning of a song like i feel fine you want to go back with that The feedback at the beginning it's, it's just ear catching earworms that are new oh man i'm just too much on these beatles and uh, let us continue now with uh, the single Hey Jude
4: when the song Hey Jude first premiered it was on live TV so there I was sitting in front watching a close-up of Paul McCartney beginning the song as the song progresses the camera pulls back and reveals the rest of the band and then a live audience and finally a full orchestra What's unique about this experience, if you can imagine the glow of a TV on a young man's face, being blown away by what he was seeing. Now you can actually experience this yourself if you turn down all the lights in your house and go to YouTube and the premiere of Hey Jude on TV by the Beatles. You can relive in the Wheel of Time this experience yourself. What makes this so extraordinary was that it is actually live and that, that live experience can now happen to you some, what is it, 40 years later? So go to YouTube, find Hey Jude live on TV, turn off all the lights in your house, sit in front of your laptop and uh, under the glow of the new technology, remember the Beatles never die.
0: Uh, who else on the face of the earth except maybe that awful three dog night song that i'm still wiping out of my memory for all time what who else could get everybody singing along to the most mawkish sing-song chorus that goes on And on. And yes, that was definitely a Beatles song you had to be there. That song, it's not quite the long and winding road, but it's not far from it i mean a lot of the beatles later singles no one else on her i am the walrus and what drives do you ever hear somebody try to cover i am the walrus like this oh i'm gonna be cool and do this song justice and every cover including frank zappa's cover it's Frank Zappa covered. I am the Walrus. Could you believe that? Up, is, it's just come on, people. Is what? Yes. Oh, oh, God! And we live in an era of tributes because so many people are dying. You don't have to do new music anymore. You just do a tribute every three days, and you've got plenty of material to go with. I, I as you may be able to, I, covers and tributes. Yes, once in a while something will, but it's like glutty anymore and oh god hey Jude no matter how you slice it yes that moment uh, when it first came out and that song was everywhere there was nothing mawkish about just singing along for four minutes with all your friends na 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 and I don't know, maybe that somehow demonstrates the magic of the Beatles in some way that I haven't expressed before? Or it's just, okay, we've just got a couple things left. Next, the White Album, that double album album. The only Beatles double album, official Beatles double album, that isn't a compilation or something. And really, possibly their most experimental, especially due to that Revolution number 9 on side for production. Uh, Q, what do you think?
4: So here we go into the Wheel of Time, associating the place that I heard a Beatle tune for the very first time. So I went through some of the highlights that came to mind as standout moments, and I'll break it into various moments. When I first heard the White Album, it was gonna be premiered in San Francisco on a underground radio station. And I went with my friend and a few other people to lay in the middle of his dark room as the two disc album was played live over the radio. Now, it was interesting as we lay there, we didn't know what we were hearing for the first time. Like any any first time listening to a song, all we could recall was that the variety was immense from Let's Do It in the Road to Dear Prudence. All of the songs seemed to be coming from a different assemblage point, as if each member of the band had actually done his own personality. And the White Album, In the Dark, for the first time, is my first submission of place.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Well, aside from the note, that should have been uh, sequentially on this program, the first, whereas I went with the chronological because they weren't labeled one, two, three, four, etc. But the point stands. That White Album was a whole other kettle of fish. I mean, most of the other albums had the variety but the white album took variety to an extreme almost uh, it, it, folky stuff uh, Helter Skelter which was proto heavy metal in a lot of ways up uh, the aforementioned revolution number no. nine the schmaltz of uh, I believe the last track on the album when Ringo sings good night to us. Now it's time to say good night. Yeah, and why don't we do it in the road anyways? I I don't quite know. No one will be watching us. Um and Yeah. This, this this Wheel of Time thing uh, could be an interesting factor, especially as we move on into the actual meat. Uh, I'm hoping we can get through all of these Beatle albums in uh, good order and good fun and good fellowship. I, I think it can be done. And uh, something from the last... Beatles album is our last uh, clip uh, from the artist Shaman Q and uh, let's listen to this together where
4: was I when I first heard from the Abbey Road album by the Beatles here comes the Sun well I was actually living in Los Angeles and I would ride my bicycle down to my girlfriend's house in Venice Mm -hmm. Beach and I would bring the album with me and I'd put it on the old turntable and I would stand at one end of the room and my girlfriend would stand at the other end of the room and we would walk towards each other very slowly staring into each other's eyes while the song Here Comes the Sun played on the disc. meeting just as the song ended to embrace tears in our eyes, love in our eyes and embrace each other. Here comes the sun.
0: That was a place in time that I remember. What an image. And yet these, this, this music had some hold over us like the saint vitus dance i don't know what it was uh but their voices their, there was something there that i mean it really hasn't happened again since in such a huge way uh michael jackson came close a few times but the beatles i guess because there were there was something for more different people to identify with cuz there were four of them perhaps uh there was this thing and that i i guess writers and fans and uh, the curious historians who are now came up after i mean people have lived entire lifetimes After there were no Beatles, now is something that sinks in with me, and it's just so strange that this same thing. But then again, you know, my grandfather sitting me on his knee, singing me, you know, Mississippi Mud, which when he was a teenager, that song just that that was the bee's knees or whatever, and I. Yeah, later on I finally figured it all out and the Rhythm Boys and the Paul Whiteman Orchestra doing Mississippi Mud has a certain joy and resonance to it but we all have to admit I can't experience what Sam Rayton experienced back in 1927 when somebody tossed the Paul Whiteman record on the Victrola and got his toes a-tappin' it's just the phenomenon of entertainium in and of itself it's part it's what dry, and music This, these are the things that drive me in this world the, the, the magic of what the music and what certain music can do is just a remarkable thing it really is um and now comes Our uh, leader of the overnight scape underground, Frank Edward Nora. And this, at least from the file size, looks to be a longer than normal uh, outburst from uh, Nutley, New Jersey. So uh, without further ado, let me hand the floor over to Frank Edward Nora. I'm uh, re-watching Help, the Beatles movie.
5: 'Cause PQ said I, I may have been unfair to it and to be fair, I've have not seen it in a long, long time. <clears throat> About 13 minutes in. This is a this is a weird scene where they're just in a recording studio recording and Ringo is just smoking a cigarette while he's drumming. <laughs> it's wild. Just sort of dangling out of his mouth. Because I guess you can't really... While you're drumming, you can't really take the cigarette out of your mouth. Look at that. <laughs> Smoking while drumming. Nice. All right, I'll let you know how I uh, enjoy help this time around. Though I will say this this sort of weird Indian cult and everything is kind of a turnoff. But anyway. All right, I got a little further in. Only at about the 28-minute mark, but... Um, yeah, I mean, so far, I'm only a third of the way in, but I, I would say that this movie is just as I kind of remember it from a long, long time ago when I saw it, that it's just, it's no fun, really. The first movie, Hard Day's Night, was almost like a perfect movie. The, t- the directing, the editing, the timing, everything about it just worked. This movie, um, it's, it's really, the, the directing and everything feels very kind of clunky and clumsy and uh, of course it's great to see the beatles you know in original paul um, but uh the the villains as this indian cult where it's all like white people playing the indians you know and the cult is just there's this level of violence involved with the whole thing like the ring that ringo has on that's the macguffin you know um and would you call that the macguffin in this one sort of uh you know, it, people wear it, and they want to be sacrificed. And, they, they and, you know, sort of this casual idea of just killing people. And then just how violent the, 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 the cult is. And it just sort of really feels off. It just, it's, not, it, it's not funny. It, 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 it's not fun. I'm going to keep watching it, but I, I will say, let me go, rewind to this part. The Beatles' house in the beginning is actually really, really cool. You know, they go into four separate doors, and then it's just one large space. And uh, this is a very cool vision of. See now, where is that part where there's that there's that lawn and there's this, the guy mowing the lawn with those little clackety teeth. And here's John Lennon getting copies of his book a "Spaniard in the Works." <laughs> I think that I think what was the other movie that he had some of his books in. Yeah, that's just very. Like this like if it if it kinda stayed on this level and of course they have vending machines in their house and then this uh organ comes up out of the ground with Paul playing it. It's very cool. And then John has that sort of little sunken area. Um But I feel like and here, you know, Ringo puts his hand in to get a sandwich and they're trying to get it and get his ring and Yeah, I just I just sort of feel like the movie is just sort of completely flawed. Ooh, look at that, though. What is that painting on the wall there next to the sandwich d- vendor? That's a very cool painting. See, if you're like a real Beatles fan, you probably want to try to get that painting on your wall. It's kind of an abstract image. That's kind of cool. I wonder if anyone ever did anything with that. You see most of it. Hey,
6: someone's got a finger. Are you
3: trying to attract attention again? She's, she's pulling us? Ah, oh, she-
5: yeah, just the weird violence and and just the un the unfunny hijinks of the uh, of the villains. It feels like it. I mean, it feels like this was just poorly conceived in the beginning. There's just so much wrong with it. But I'm gonna keep watching it. You know, stop
7: trying to drag things down to your own level. Too so I thought.
5: Well, you know, I let me go back and see if I can see that that piece of art. That's cool. See, that's the kind of thing that'd be cool to kind of like the ultimate beatles fan having like that painting and there's another painting on the wall here next to the uh the guy mowing the lawn. You can't see that one as well. <coughs> I guess you'd have to get this on blu-ray and and then uh or ideally a, a film copy and then scan that image in and make it into yeah. Let's see if I can get What does that say? Keep off the grass. This is this is this is on internet archive. This is like a VHS copy or something yeah but this part's cool but yeah and he has all these comic books wait wait there's all these comic books there like Jimmy Olsen hold on (laughs) instead of sheet music they have comic books see I need a higher resolution source of this to see all this cool details yeah Jimmy Olsen Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen maybe they're all Jimmy Olsen comics (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you see a really, hold on You see that really, a really good uh, Image of that Let me see I like all the little details Yeah, yeah That print or that painting I wonder if I could just take a screenshot here and kind of like do an internet reverse search Well, let me just try that, yeah Anyway um, Yeah, I'm going to keep watching this But I'm going to try to see about this image <laughs> Now I'm going to obsess with this image Where's my photoshop? Where's my Photoshop? Where is it? I need my Photoshop. Yeah, I tried to isolate it. It's like a lightning bolt, some sort of red thing. Is it a shoe? I don't know. It's kind of a cool image, though. It's probably the kind of thing I have to do more research and, you know, to try to understand where it came from. Yeah, I'm not really getting much here. Set design of The Beatles' Help. Mm. Oh, wow. There's there's a little bit of the painting in the background here. There's Ringo. Numbers five, seven, nine, and 11. Ailsa Avenue, Twickenham. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Ringo's Zone is a Rhapsody in blue and even has an in-house vending machine and drinks dispenser. A blue lampshade on blue base against a blue wall is one piece of interior design we can all take inspiration from. The matching pop art picture and blue soft toy horse echo the whole style of an era that influences design and interiors to this day. So they talk about the pop art picture. Interesting. Where is that picture now? Someone has it. And they're like, I have I have that picture on my wall. Who has it though? I don't know. Anyway, I did want to um, play some, you know, on the other side, there's some Beatles interviews I play a lot, and uh, I figured I would play some of those, because it's just w- one of my favorite ones. Let me, let me find it here. Because, you know, some of these, I bought these, uh, I forget where I got them, but they were these Beatles cassette tapes, Beatles interview cassette tapes that I bought somewhere back in the 90s or something. And I really can't find much information about them. They weren't, like, officially licensed or anything. I don't know if they were, like – I'm not sure what they were, but um, let's see. Yeah, I think this is from one of those tapes because this is – yeah, this is one of my favorite ones. It's an interview with Paul.
8: I think uh, when I saw I saw her standing there, was written uh, – in almost entirely
6: by you, but John once told me he put in one word which yeah. which which sort of made it right. Yeah, that's it. And then well, no, he this actually what happened was he took out one word which <laughs> which would have made it very wrong. The first two lines I I, I did it going home in a car one night and so I wasn't really thinking too much about it. The first two lines originally where she was just 17 and she'd never been a beauty queen which sort of just sounded like it rhymed to me I (laughs) would rather write a line like she should never be a queen (laughs) well you try writing a song going along in a car and you just you know you sort of think of things like that anyway when i saw it the next day and played it through to john i realized that it was a useless line you know so we just sat down and tried to think of another line which rhymed with 17 and meant something We eventually got you know what i mean which means nothing (laughs) means completely nothing at all i mean if you can work out she was just 17 you know what i mean on the other hand it's it's not an embarrassing line as beautifully would have been no on the other hand it it could be sort of a deep and involved line you know what i mean those 17 year old girls you know great you know what i mean Mm. you see or just a liverpool expression as it were that's what i thought liverpool expression yeah a
8: lot
6: of your songs could actually be uh, <clears throat> conversation pieces in Liverpool. You know, She Loves You, uh, you know, I saw her yesterday and that sort of thing. Yeah, actually there was some fellow in England thinking of doing that actually. Speaking our songs. Just he was gonna, for, called John Junkin, you know, he was in our last film. He's played Shake, the road manager. Yes. And he wanted to do a record <clears throat> on something like, you know, uh, She Loves You. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Etc. Yeah, it's probably work. I think it might do. Isn't it it seems to me it might be the only thing left to do now. <clears throat> <clears throat> Ex- Talk to the Beatles. An exp- yes
8: exploitation of Beatles material.
5: Yeah, that last section is like my favorite. Whoa, isn't it's like my favorite. Uh, my favorite in part, you know, this this fellow in England, uh, you know, I'm John Junkin, you know, who's in our last movie, he wants to speak the Beatles. I wonder if he ever. I don't think he ever did it though. And then how Paul's like, yeah, what did he say at the end? Like, yeah, you know? Like, it just feels so genuine. No, that's not the right thing. Um, where where I think is his you quote?
6: No, she loves you. Uh, you know, I saw her yesterday. And sort of yeah, actually, there was some fella in England thinking of doing that, actually, speaking our songs. Just he was going to call John Junkin. You know, he was in our last film. He's played Shake, the road manager. Yes. And he wanted to do a record <clears throat> on something like, you know, uh, she loves you. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? yeah?
5: etc. Yeah, it's probably work, I think. It might do, you know. It might do, you know. <laughs> it just, I just love that. What else do we have here? John Lennon and Paul McCartney interview. This is pretty long. Let's hear a little bit of this. This is, uh, from
1: 1968. Oh, it's good to see you again. Nice life. to see you, Larry. Nice to see you, <laughs> nice to see you
5: <laughs> <laughs> I like the one where, where John's like, Play Tiny Tim, play Tiny Tim. I love Tiny Tim. Is it this one?
7: Uh, what is Apple? John. It's a it's a company we're setting up, which involves records, films, electronics, which make records and films work, and uh, what's it called? manufacturing
5: Yeah, that's so fascinating. The their company Apple Corps, and how they uh, they just sort of blew so much money. There is this there is this uh, scam artist guy, Magic Alex, who was making all these electronics for them, but it was he had no talent. But John was, like, like sort of fascinated with him. How they opened the Apple store, the Apple boutique, and eventually they, everyone was just stealing everything. There was, like, no control. It was just, like, a big mess. <laughs> I love that part of the Beatles' history, That, that their whole, like, their horrible business sense. Yeah,
7: oh, that, it was a few things. You know, you know, the byproducts that end up with Larry Page uh, T-shirts and
6: like. It's oh. just trying to mix... Business with enjoyment. I we're you. in business, you know, we find ourselves in business. Are, we, you, the make are you the director?
5: Th- these interviews are so great, you know, and, and even though this one is 68, so theoretically this would be the fake ball, but we'll see. Right. Yeah. So
6: yeah. But yeah. like all the profits won't go into our pockets, they'll go to help people, but not like a charity. What do you,
7: you want we'll wants to make a film, a note. They go to a company and they get shown into the waste paper bin (laughs) and uh, nothing ever happens. So they go around, they make an underground one and it goes round and round underground, and a lot of people never see it. So if they come to us, they won't stand a chance. (laughs) But we hope to make a thing that's free where people can just come and do and record and not have to ask, could we have another microphone in the studio? Because we haven't had a hit yet. I see, how expensive, how large will this be? (laughs) Oh, we (laughs) don't like that. (laughs) How large will it
5: be in America? Yeah, real interesting stuff. Let's try this one. I want to hear the one where he's like, Tiny Tim, Tiny Tim. Thank you, John. Wonderful. Thank you. This, I think this is it. It's Beatles interviewed by Kenny Everett, uh, 6668. Thank you, Paul. Tiny
7: all. Tim, play Tiny Tim. Yeah. That's what you got to play. Ta-da-da-da. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. <laughs>
5: Like that, this one, like they, they're just like so like hyperactive and weird. Like when they're when they're doing appearances, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah,
9: he's, in. he's greatest ever, man. He's greatest. Oh, he's, he's the greatest. You see? Yeah. You see if I ain't right, Kenny? Really, really,
7: really, ever? He's the greatest ever. on earth, man. Play Tiny Tim, gentle no, readers. No, no, through no. the two left. It's he's real. He's real, he's man. We saw him. He's it. like her, but he's much better. He's yeah. great. Man. He's good. He's great. I mean, good with it. It's
2: like it's a funny joke at
7: first,
6: yeah.
9: but it's not really. It's real. It's and it's true. Oh, it'd
7: be. Tiny it's you
9: know Tim for president
7: or so oh, Tiny okay. Tim for queen? Tiny Tim for president. <laughs> tiny Tim for queen.
3: <laughs> well, you know, really? really? Yeah, thank All you. you Imagine the interview Ron. my cohorts yeah. Yeah.
7: for the following few months. Show.
3: What is it? Well,
2: it's nice to be on the air again. Peter <laughs> George speaking from EMI Studio. Single bye.
5: Nice. Was <laughs> nice this the Beatles cartoon? Oh my, look! The greatest bounty of them all! What? I, I can't believe it! You won't believe how much fun Sunday morning is on 60.
10: Come on, Static! Let's see what them space cadets are up to! He won!
5: Oh, it's a good commercial break as you're watching the Beatles cartoon. Okay, here's some more with Kenny Everett, same day.
2: i stand, yeah,
9: stand, okay. uh, stand, down, down an avenue road. road. So right. to to So Kenny, how are you going? Oh, it's wonderful.
2: Listen, um, first a few questions, then I'd like you to sing me a jingle, a goodbye jingle. Okay, goodbye jingle. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, what, what can we expect from you in the next few months? I've heard you're working on it. Uh, a lot of brown
7: paper bags, Kenny. Yeah, we're <laughs> working very hard on that in the moment, boys and me. Anything tuny? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of tunes to be found in the bags
2: actually. I I got told that uh, you don't actually come in here with the idea of doing an album, it just sort of falls out of one of the sessions. Mm, well, we have a vague
7: idea, you know, Ken? Yes. Yeah. As I was only saying the other day, we had a vague idea, but
2: very vague. What's Very vague. <laughs>
7: Just a bit of laughter, ladies and gentlemen. fans.
2: Have you done any actual complete numbers?
7: No. We're halfway through the second incomplete number now.
2: Yeah. You don't actually do them whole complete and then finish with them and then start yes. another
7: one? See, like we've got to a stage with one where the next bit is musicians, so oh. we'll have to write the musicians bit. See? Uh. Oh, you see, see. Do you
2: ever get to, um, you've done your bit and you
7: decide it would be good
2: on its own?
3: and
7: then forget the music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
9: Somebody stole my gown.
2: Somebody stole my
7: gown. S-
5: yeah, it's just kind of, right, just this kind of weird, like, hyper, like, childish kind of demeanor. <laughs> Here is another one of my favorites. This was on one of those tapes. It's with the Beatles' hairdresser. What a great piece of audio this is.
8: We're sitting under the pine trees overlooking the beach in Nassau. This is Derek Taylor, and I'm with Betty Glassow, who, for the purposes of the film, and for Hard Day's Night, is the Beatles hairdresser. Betty probably knows more about the Beatles' hair than they do themselves. Is there a special technique in looking after a Beatles' head, Betty?
10: Um, Well, not really any more than usual, you know, you just have to sort of keep a check that it's, you know, the right length at the same time.
8: I suppose they don't really get their hair cut as as, uh, as ordinary hair is cut, because this is no ordinary hair. This is simply a case of keeping it tidy, getting rid of loose ends. Yes, it is. It, it, it possibly invidious to compare.
5: And I think I don't know if he mentioned it, but I think this is on the the set of help. Sixty-five,
8: right? Yeah. Their hair, but who has um who has the softest hair? Of the four of them.
10: Uh, Ringo. She has the softest, and and John.
8: Paul. Paul's always looked softer.
10: Well, no, he's got much better hair than the others.
8: A bit coarser. He has coarser hair, has he? What color is John's? Not A lot of uh, people say that John's has an auburn tinge. Is it auburn?
10: Um, well, he has a slight auburn tinge, yes. Mm-hmm. He's had it darkened a bit with this film.
8: Do they trust you with their hair completely, or have they little fads and fancies which they try and uh, impose?
10: I think they do by now, yes.
8: Did they at first? Did that first?
10: Oh, well, yes. Yeah, so, well, a bit wary of how much I would cut off, you
8: know. <laughs> how wary were you when you first got the job of looking after the Beatles' hair? I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> you get on well with them. Do you find them as easy as everybody else does to get on with?
10: Yes, mm, I do.
8: The Beatles' hair, of course, is an extremely valuable commodity. The temptation to sell it must be very strong, but I know from what I've heard that, that you and all the other people on the set resist these things. But do you, in fact, keep the hair yourself, or do you give it away?
10: I keep a little and I give it to my relations and friends and you know, they ask
5: for Giving fair. their hair away.
8: <laughs> have you had a, a, many letters from abroad and, and uh, from England asking for beetle hair?
10: Yes, I did on the, on the last film. I had from America. And...
8: Were you able to let people have some?
10: Yes, mm-hmm. I sent, you know, different packets. Know.
8: Just as a matter of interest, did any of the people who got it ever write back to say thanks?
10: No, I haven't. <laughs>
8: That's worth thinking about, by the way. An awful lot of people write for Beatle things and uh, very rarely write to say thank you. But if there are thank you letters, then most of them come from America, where children, of course, are great letter writers. Well, look, Betty, you've got an awful lot to do with this hair, so I'll let you go and say thanks very much, and we'll see you
5: again.
10: Thank you very much,
5: (laughs) too. Children in America are great letter writers. Wow, that's interesting. I'm trying to find props from... Let's see. I'm still stuck up on this. Ooh. Wow, look at this. Eat movie props. Oh. Memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, look at this. Could this be, uh... Hmm, no. (laughs) Listen, I know I'm not going to find that painting, but that would be so cool to have that one. trying to see what else we have here. A boot prop from Help. Oh, there's a giant boot? Okay, I, I haven't seen the whole movie yet. I mean, I saw it once a long time ago. Paul McCartney's naked photo in the Beatles' White Album photo collage. What? What are they talking about? What else do we have here? The Beatles' Anthology. I haven't looked at this yet. From 1995. Is this a uh, someone's like VHS tape of... Uh, remember that anthology that they... I mentioned it on last time. Let's see what we got here four hours 45 minutes no, by the way the song I couldn't remember last time free as a bird obviously I did yeah
3: whatever
5: happened with like is this is this mo, is this this is like a whole TV show a t, like a mini series about the Beatles whatever happened with this is it on streaming anywhere? See. The Beatles Anthology. Hold on, hold on. Let me just see if it's on streaming somewhere. All right, what do we got here? We got a hit. Beatles Anthology. It's not available for streaming at all. Wow. I'm assuming it's on. Uh, was there eight episodes? Really? that's weird but we have a VHS copy here it's on the internet archive and on a page called The Beatles VHS Collection along with Hard Day's Night The Making of Hard Day's Night what what is that hold on a second Help and the Beatles Anthology wow what is the making of a Hard Day's Night hold on this, the plot thickens here's the beginning of the anthology though free as a bird Liverpool Establishing shot showing the river is it the mercy? Yeah, this is a big thing back then. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, who ever sought for better.
7: Some
4: remain, all those
7: places have their moments.
5: With lovers and friends, I still can recall. Some are dead and some are living. In my life, I've loved them all. Okay, what is the making of A Hard Day's Night, though? This looks interesting. (laughs) I'm just looking at random Beatles videos here. Ooh, video hum. I didn't know there was a making of. What what could this be? This is video black right now. Hello. Fast forward, FBI warning. MPI, home video. (laughs) What? What could this be? Are you ready?
6: Are you ready? Then, brace yourself.
7: Here they are! Been
5: a or the original trailer. John. George. Paul. Ringo. Starring in their first full length hilarious action packed film, A Hard Day's Night. Six brand new songs, plus your Beatles favorite. All right, let me fast-forward a bit, see what's going on with this. This making of... I don't know there was a making of... I to
6: this bridge. Open.
5: What is this? There's, like, no sound. He's, like, behind, behind the scenes? Hmm. Oh, I turned the sound off.
1: The script was very cleverly written so that...
5: There was never a time Alan there. Owen wrote the one person. All right, I gotta watch this too. I gotta watch all sorts of things with the Beatles. Now come on. Okay. Beatles Anthology, DVD. Wow. VHS, you can get it at seventeen fifty, but DVD, D, a hundred bucks. Yeah, this is these are collectibles, wow. Only DVD, I guess there's no Blu ray on that. How about Beatles Help Blu ray? Do they have that? They must have put that on a Blu-ray at at this point. Yeah, only $22. Great. It's Amazon's choice as well. (laughs) It's very good. Anyway. Another movie I have um, here is Beatlemania, the movie. Incredibly hard to find, not available anywhere. I forget exactly where I, where I found it. I, I must have gotten it a year or two ago. But it looks like it's just, the whole movie is just basically um, just filming a performance of Beatlemania, which is, you know, sort of a, a cover band playing Beatles songs from different eras, right? Like this scene here. It's just four, four dudes be, trying to be the Beatles. Which I'm sure would be great to see let me fast forward here. What the hell is this? A conductor? A monkey? Okay, there is some more stuff. A guy being hit in the face with a pie. All right. This this was considered. This movie was considered to be horrible. All right. There's some interest. Who's that? Lyndon Baines Johnson? Fake Beatles. All right. So there's there's a lot of like slideshows, images. Okay. Oh wow, performing as the uh, Sgt. Pepper costume people. You answer quite slowly. I with diamonds. Look at that John Lennon guy. Looking because he's so hard to see. Fake Paul, so hard to see that he's the fake Paul help from my uh, friends. Oh, mentioning that, I have to play the, uh, Ruddles' anthology, archaeology. So it's just songs, but there's some, you know. Right, anyway. Um, I may have to watch that at some point. It just looks pointless to watch, but that's a very rare Beatles movie, okay? Um, yeah, I wanted to mention the Ruddles' archaeology, because um, Let's see. I should have it here. It is so you know the Ruddles was a um, a comedy band. It's like it was like a TV special, right? What what was the whole thing with the Ruddles as a as a parody of the Beatles? A rock band performed vi- visual and oral pastiches and parodies of the Beatles. The original fictional band created by Eric Idle of Monty Python and Neil Innes from the Bonzo Dog Band for a sketch in Idol's mid-70s BBC television comedy series, Rutland Weekend Television. Later toured and recorded, released two albums that included two UK chart hits. The band toured again from 2002 until Ennis's death in 2019. So, for me, Ruddles Archaeology, which came out in 1996, so it was definitely inspired by the, the Beatles anthology, the Ruddles Archaeology, but these were all newly created songs that this album itself is so good um and there's there's one that is a really great um riff on uh little help for my friends right you know like cuz when you hear them go would you believe in a love at first sight and then R- ringo's like as billy shears Yes, I'm certain that it happens all the time. What do you see when you turn out the lights? I can't tell you, but I know it's fine. Or mine. That sort of back and forth. I got to find that. Yeah. But the whole album is absolutely brilliant. I used to listen to it all the time. Um, Ruddles Archaeology. All right. I should be able to find it here. Let's see. Oh, it was called something like rendezvous or something <laughs> where it's sort of like he starts hearing like who are you people that are talking to me now hold on do, do, do. sorry this is taking so long to get remember beatles were not even on streaming because remember they they sued apple computer because they the same name apple eventually they made a big deal that they were able to use the music stream the music so the beatles music wasn't on streaming for quite a while in the past Let's go here. But yeah, all of the, uh, the, the Ruddell's archaeology is great, but let's see. The questionnaire is a great one. Rendezvous, here it is.
3: I'm sitting on a
9: dandelion den Blowing bits of fluff into the air to tell the time
3: A welcome
5: anybody I walking by yes, of course I do. Uh-huh, we thought as much.
9: Hang on, who are you? We're the other members of the band.
5: <laughs> We're the other members of the band.
9: With your song. I don't
5: want any help. Oh, yeah, what about the middle eight? Oh, yeah. yeah, eight? Oh,
3: yeah. You
5: like anyway, that's a good one. In the set of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Called Band, it's Major Happy's Up and Coming, Once Upon a Good Time Band. It's really a brilliant... It's a parody but it's more than a parody. It's it's sort of a brilliant like riff on the Beatles. I think Neil Innes is like the the musical force behind this, you know. 1, one 2, one, two. One more. We've arrived and to prove it, we're here. I love this one. And they sort of have, in the beginning, they have kind of like banter and stuff. Brilliant. This is a riff on Back to the USSR, obviously. We've arrived and to prove it, we're here. (laughs) (laughs)
3: We've
2: arrived and to prove it, we're
9: here. We've
3: arrived.
9: Great note. All right.
3: One, two, three, four. We arrived to prove it we're we arrived and it's suddenly
5: clear that we're here to stay. <laughs> anyway, check out the Ruddles archaeology. It's really quite a, quite amazing. We've arrived. And to prove it we're here. Nice. I did want to mention my Yoko Ono dream. One of my favorite dreams ever. Um, you know, I, I'm sure many people have wondered: is, you know, what's up with Yoko Ono? You know, really. And um, I was thinking, and I think I don't know if it was before the dream or after, but that she was actually a time traveler from some future time, and became a huge Beatles fan, uh, and uh, decided to hop in her time machine and uh, and go back in time and insinuate herself into the whole Beatles thing. Right? And uh it does seem like a weird thing that she sort of, you know, how did she get so, how did she control John so much? But anyway, so if she is a time traveler, in the dream, and this was just an, a real dream I had, I was a time cop, right? And we had kind of seen this whole Yoko Ono situation and we, because we were time cops, we knew she was a time traveler that altered the time stream by, because she was such a Beatles fan and she was in love with John, she had to, you know, put herself in the whole thing. So we figured out, we went back in time. We figured out when she arrived in the past in like 1965 or whatever. And we realized it was this alleyway in London. And so we we set up, um, there was like almost almost like a piles of um, sandbags and like two of us, at least time cops, we set up with these sniper rifles aiming down the alleyway where she knew she, she would appear when she time traveled from the future and she did it was like lightning and this glowing stuff and she like went through the portal and we shot, and we shot her and, and we 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 uh, took her out in the dream and we saved the timeline I don't know why we just didn't just arrest her I, it was very violent I, if I had the dream to do over again I think we would just arrest her you know take her to time jail or something you know but anyway the dream was like we were just like had sniper rifles and took her out that way to save the timeline, yeah, yeah. <coughs> I have a few notes here, so yeah. Um, let's see. I know I talked a lot about Paul is dead last time, and it was interesting on uh, on the uh, the central, not the central, on the exit ramp uh, yesterday. The one entitled "Clocks and Coins." We got on this topic about uh, the Beatles and how Paul is dead. And D- Doc sleeves was like, "I've known many of these nutters that believe Paul is dead." I'm like, "Well, you better not listen to my segment, then, Doc." <laughs> Hopefully, Doc has something uh, on this episode. But <coughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I love the Paul is dead stuff, and I, you know, I'm again, I can't say what's true, but I'm just telling you my, I'm just telling you my interpretation of it. I don't know what's true, but. I'm just telling you my thoughts on the matter. But there's this series of videos called The Rotten Apple on YouTube. That It's sort of, it's one of these things where they seem that they have more information than they probably do. <coughs> trying to see The Rotten Apple. I am a phony. That's the name of the, the channel. And all these crazy videos uh, with the Beatles all about, you know, Paul is dead and stuff. Just really weird stuff. The most recent one was two years ago. The Winged Beetle 1. Colon six. Uh, So there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's... Again, you don't... In this world, I know some people think, is Paul dead? Was he replaced? Some people would be like, most people feel you have to have an answer. Yes, he absolutely died and was replaced. Or no, it's a big hoax. These people are nutters and and, and it's not... I don't believe that I believe I don't know the answer, but I enjoy delving into the <coughs> information. I think it's possible that Paul Dyden was replaced. It seems that as <coughs> if you remember one of those guys from the uh Andy Kaufman situation, Yannick Joker, remember this this guy from uh <coughs> Netherlands, right? Whatever happened to that guy. <laughs> Yannick Joker, man, what a weird character from the past. I used to have a lot of arguments with him about Paul is dead, and he's like, listen, I've looked into this too. I think it's the same Paul, but he but he said, Yannick Joker said, he was familiar enough with all of the information in the footage. He's like, listen, clearly something happened to Paul around that time. And Yannick Joker's um, theory was that Paul may have had a stroke he, and, and that's why his, uh, his look, his facial expressions, and everything about him changed. So Yannick Joker actually admitted, he's like, yes, obviously something happened to Paul. He's very different after that t- fall of 1966. He's like, but I think it's the same guy. Something happened to him. And of course, as I mentioned last time, or did I mention it? Um, two very good references are uh, the David Frost interview, which you can easily find on the uh on youtube which i think is from 64 or 65 but then <coughs> um the LSD interview with paul mccartney for, that's definitely from 67 that is to me a very early appearance of paul after the fact and uh, to me it looks he looks com- not completely not like the same person right I've shown this to other people, and they're like, No, Frank, I'm seeing the same exact person. So it has something to do with the way that we look at faces, we interpret faces. Very different. But you'll see a very different uh, mannerisms, personality, everything else. I mean, extremely different. And there's no doubt. I mean, you can, when Paul's on David Frost, he's, you can tell when David Frost asks him questions, he's like, Hmm. He's sort of like squinting and looking up to the left and he's like like putting his finger on his face. You know, hmm, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure about about you know, we, that we thought would be so successful. And, you know, like you could see him thinking and you could see like his personality. It was very genuine. By the LSD interview a couple years later, he's just sort of staying there like, like sort of staring ahead. Well, listen, uh, uh, You know, uh, it's you lot publicizing my LSD. Did, uh, someone just asked me the question. Totally different look and personality. So maybe Yannick Joker is correct. Maybe it was a stroke or something. Or, I think as is implied, he took LSD, which made him look different, which made him sound different, gave him a different personality because it's a psychedelic drug, right? <laughs> At least that was sort of the implication. Let's see, I am a phony. Any, any good information? Uh,
6: it was So hot, and I kicked them off on walked cross battles, flipped the road. I know what happened. Being dead, surface. Okay, okay, here's yeah, uh,
5: here's uh, Paul on Letterman, admitting that he's the fake Paul. And this is amazing. We have to look at this part. This is him. I'm the phony.
6: The uh, the, toward the end of the '60s, is that when the, uh, the the rumors about you being dead surfaced? Do you remember that? Do you remember yeah. remember how, how that started? What, what were your feelings about that? Yeah, no, what happened was we did a cover for a record called Abbey Road. The idea was to walk across the crossing, and I showed up that day with sandals, flip-flops, and so uh, it was so hot, and I kicked them off and walked across barefooted. So this started some rumor.
5: Okay, wait, This is hold on. If it's, if it's very hot out, the pavement would be kind of searingly hot, and you had sandals, right, which are very, like, warm-weather footwear, You wouldn't kick them off, you would keep them on, so your feet wouldn't get burned by the... Right? That doesn't make sense.
6: That because he was barefooted, he's dead.
5: They're doing little video effects here and stuff.
6: But it was a little bit strange, because people did start looking at me like... is it is it him or a very good double well that was the idea that was the other part of it that there was a guy who looked like you taking your place no well this is him
5: so that this is 100 percent legitimate you can find many clips of this as letterman just said a double that took well this is him so he's admitting on live television that and obviously he could just be joking but he basically is saying that he is the imposter
6: is it is it him or a very good double? Well, that was the idea. That was the other part of it—that there was a guy who looked like you taking your place. No, well, this is him.
5: And you know, as I mentioned last time, the theory that whatever group is involved with this Illuminati-type group or whatever—that they—whoa, Kitty, what are you doing? You knocked over my notepad. Um that they that they are compelled to sort of publicly tell the truth but that they can, you know, twist it in 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 any way they like as long as they actually do tell the truth. So, anyway. But I'm not making it up, Paul McCartney himself it's a joke. Oh, uh, you were replaced. Yes, this is him the replacement. Yes. All right, this of- <laughs> Anyway, those are kind of cool videos and they always sort of promised that they were going to have proof or something. But wasn't there something where uh, one of the women that was married to Paul, the one, the one that I think had um, the disability, the one leg. I thought she she was saying that she knew something about him that she was going to tell. There's there's a lot more. I don't just, you know. I know it's easy to oh, he's not. He, he, they didn't replace him. He didn't die and he was replaced. There's no way that could have happened. There's so much information and evidence that supports it that you know you can kind of hide your head in the sand and act like, no, and I don't want to be seen as crazy to think that might be true. There's there's a lot going on, all right? That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, uh, last week I mentioned that there was uh, the one big unreleased song by the Beatles is Carnival of Light. And this is a fake that's been on YouTube for 10 years. And I know I've heard it in the past. Let's just check it out. Someone's trying to... Because there are descriptions of it, but here's someone made a fake version is it but is it fake or is this the real carnival of light where was that there was like a description of it that I read because someone did hear it Um, someone heard the song in fairly recent times Um, Beatles historian Mark Lewison was granted access to the completed recording of Carnival of Light while compiling his 1988 book the complete Beatles recording sessions he outlined the contents Oh, let's stop. This is annoying. He outlined the contents of the four-track tape. Track 1, distorted hypnotic drum and organ sounds. Track 2, a distorted lead guitar. Track 3, the sounds of a church organ, various effects. Water gargling was one and voices. Perhaps most intimidating of all, Paul John and Paul screaming dementedly and bawling aloud random phrases like, Are you alright? And Barcelona! What? (laughs) Track for various indescribable sound effects with heaps of echo and manic tambourine. (coughs) The piece concludes with McCartney asking the studio engineer in an echo-soaked voice, Can we hear it back now? Lewison wrote that a rough mono mix was given to Vaughn, while Miles stated that the mixdown had full stereo separation. So apparently they they wanted to release it for the Beatles anthology but it was uh, one of the Beatles didn't you know didn't want it <sighs> why not we want to hear it let's see how good this uh fake is At least, do they have the thing? Can we hear it back now? That's echo with an echo.
3: All
5: right. Are there any better versions of Carnival of Light? Let's see. What's on the Lost Media Wiki? Yes. Yes. Hopefully, someday we'll he- we'll be able to hear that song. <laughs> so, what is this? A song uh, by Frank Zappa, "The Return of the Son of Monster Magnet," Uh on the Freakout album sounds like "Carnival of Light." Okay. Susie?
9: Yes. Susie.
5: So they're saying this is kind of similar to Chronicle of Life
0: Mm -hmm.
5: Ah, just release it, for God's sakes What's wrong with these these Beatles? Release the damn song If you had a time machine You could go to the uh, Million Volt Light and Sound Rave (coughs) And uh, listen to the song live Of course, record it surreptitiously And bring it back to the future but we don't have time to travel, as far as we know, at this moment, do we? No, we do not. Oh, yeah, I wanted to go. I wanted to go see if I have any Beatles records. We can go actually listen to Beatles on vinyl. Um, what about the children of the Beatles? How many? How many are there at this point? Children of the Beatles, okay. Why did it autofill Children of the Beatles when I just just typed in C-H-I? It's reading my mind. Let's see. All right. We have Julian Lennon, born 63. Zach Starkey, born 65. (coughs) Jason Starkey, born 67. Mary McCartney, born 69. Lee Starkey, a, a Ringo daughter, born nineteen seventy. Stella McCartney, seventy one. So all these McCartneys would have been the, the children of the uh, of Paul post sixty six. Sean Lennon, nineteen seventy five. James McCartney, nineteen seventy seven. Wow, with Linda Eastman. Danny Harrison, born nineteen seventy eight. He of course had had a band called. Uh, Uh, The new number two, which was a reference to The Prisoner, which is interesting because the final episode of The Prisoner has uh, All You Need Is Love by the Beatles on it. Sola Harrison, is that his wife? That's weird. It's a weird picture. Beatrice McCartney, born 2003. Wow, with uh, Heather Mills. She was the one. Let me see if you can find that thing about Heather Mills and... Well, there's... 2003, so she would just be turning 20 this year. She's 19 now. A child of uh, quote-unquote Paul. Uh, Let's see. Heather Mills. Let's see. Paul McCartney's secret. Let's see what I can find here. Let's see. Heather Mills knows Paul McCartney is an imposter. What did Heather Mills mean about Paul McCartney having a secret that people couldn't handle if they found out? Yeah. But there was on a video where she actually said it. Hmm. young people don't know who Paul is alright here we go Heather Mills knows Paul McCartney is an imposter okay let's see let's see oh, it's, that same, it's that same channel the rotten apple I am a phony
3: you know why I have left you protect me and I will say nothing
10: something so awful happened um, someone I'd loved for a long time I found out had betrayed me immensely and I don't mean infidelity or anything like that
5: like beyond belief so she was on one of those morning shows or something I want to see the original video not with all these sound effects
2: and of course everyone here is going to believe that that's Paul McCartney in a way not infidelity that is so much deeper than that it wounded you and pushed you towards suicide
10: yeah it did and he knows
2: that. So it's Paul.
10: But I, I've got to protect myself. I have to protect myself. People don't want to know what the truth is because they could never, ever handle it. They would be too devastated.
5: So listen, I listen, Paul McCartney's ex-wife here saying on, on television. And I think this is I, this has been, you know, it's, it's not fake. There's this, Paul has this secret that people couldn't handle if they found out, right? And here's another quote. Knowing what you know about Paul, would you have married him in the first place? Heather replied firmly and simply, never. So obviously it's not saying, uh, you know, she may be talking about something else, but it does fit in completely with she thought he was really Paul McCartney and found out he was, you know, being married to him somehow found out that he was a, Replacement. There's stuff like this. It's not just... This is very puzzling, right? And yes, they could be doing all this stuff to try to get people like me to keep getting us uh, worked up about this whole situation, but why are they pushing this concept? Maybe just to mess with people. I don't know. All right, let's go listen to some Beatles records. Let's see what I got. All right, I don't know if my records are in a... uh, Yeah, it's not really... Because we still haven't taken our Christmas tree down, so it's not really a good uh, a good situation. Yeah. I have a few, because there, there were a lot of Beatles records that were like Beatles covers and stuff. Because I had that one record that was like Beatles, like some orchestra playing Beatles songs. Yeah, I don't think I can really get to this stuff here. Everything's all over the place. <laughs> <coughs> Let's see. Hmm. See if you can find one Beatles record of some sort. Hold on, let me pause. Maybe I can find something. All right, I see what we got here. So I have Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Let me open it up here. Whoa. The picture of all four of them. And uh, I wonder if this has that. Does this have that inner groove? Or is that only in the British version? You know, the end never could be any other way. I should try it. Let me see if I can get over here. <laughs> this is a, place of, a big mess. Right, that one. The inner groove. It's like played forever. <laughs> Never could be any other way. And then you play that backwards. It's, I will fuck you like a Superman. It does say that. I will fuck you like a Superman. Cheeky. Very cheeky, those beetles. All right, let me see if I can do this. All right, so... Side two, let's see. What, the record player's not plugged in. That's going to be a bit of an issue. Ah! <laughs> Turn on the Christmas tree lights. We really should have, this tree should be, like, taken down already, but let's see. I can't really get too close to the record player here. I read the news today, oh boy. Blackburn, Lancashire. I'm reading the lyrics on the back. And though the holes were rather small, they had to count them all. Now they know how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. Oh, I'd love to turn you on and fuck you like a Superman. I must have done this before to see if my copy has that inner groove, but What was the, the idea this one? It, it goes beyond the range of human hearing like only dogs could hear the end part of this I Woke up, fell out of bed No, no, that's earlier in the song know in a second if we have the inner groove. This doesn't have it. That's a, what a bummer. All right, let's go take a listen. Let's go onto YouTube and listen to that forwards and backwards because it's a very important part of Beatles lore, the inner groove. <coughs> okay, here's the video. Beatles in a groove, first forwards and backwards. Okay. Let's see how this goes. That's on, the par- See, that's on the parlophone edition, not the Capitol Records edition. Never could be any other, in sort of implies way. Never could be any other. All right, let's get to the backwards part here. Here we go backwards. I will fuck you like a Superman. I think it's pretty clear. Anyway. Do you believe me now? <laughs> very, cr- very very, very, very potty mouse, Those Beatles fucking people like Superman. Very, very puzzling. Anyway, let's go see what other records we've got going on here couple white albums. Remember in New York someone put together a store that only sold original white albums with serial numbers? What do I got here? I got uh, A1416556 and I got uh, A2344729 white albums. Yes. And also have here an Abbey Road. There's Paul being barefoot. It was so hot, I had took off my sandals. Shut up. Phony baloney. (laughs) Anyway, what else do we have here? I have the Beatles rarities. It's a record, uh... Do I have the record? Is the record in there? Yeah. You open up the gatefold and it has, uh... The butcher cover on the left. (coughs) Another very puzzling piece of Beatles history. And, uh... More pictures, and then this has. Oh, this has the inner groove. Okay. The inner groove is on this one. Okay. (laughs) Love me, do, misery, there's a place. Sleepdick, sleepdick, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why these are rarities. Penny Lane, Helter Skelter, Don't Pass Me By. What do they say about this? There probably have been more words written about the Beatles and more discussion of their music than any other musical group in history. Every aspect of their recorded legacy has been dissected, examined, and catalogued by collectors, many of whom specialize in studying the Beatles. What year is this? 1980, it looks like. This has led to the Beatles Rarities album, a compilation of tracks that for one reason or another are considered rare in the United States. Most of these tunes are familiar to Beatles fans, but the versions presented here are not the same versions that are currently available on Capitol or United Artists albums. All of these versions have been released before by Capitol EMI somewhere in the world, but most of them either haven't been released in America or they are no longer available. Okay. You know my name. Look up the number. You know my name. You know my name. That's them being like hyper again. Welcome to Slaggards. Dennis O'Dell. Anyway, here we have T- the Ted Heath Orchestra plays Beatles, Bach, and Bacharach. What is up with this? London Records. What year? Any years? I don't know. Let's see. For this novel Phase 4 stereo album, John Keating has arranged the music of the Beatles, Johann Sebastian Bach, and Bert Bacharach. Not such a strange mixture as might first appear. All three have a splendid melodic quality and fresh novel rhythms. Bach's music, as with much of the best Baroque repertoire, lends itself readily to modern arranging, and above all, it can be swung. Even Bach would approve of the two arrangements on this album. Rather more up-to-date are the Beatle and Bacharach melodies, which earned themselves instant popularity. The Ted Heath Orchestra gives magical performances of these exciting arrangements of three great musical sources. So for the Beatles, we have Norwegian Wood, Hey Jude, Let It Be, and that's it. (laughs) Wait a minute. What should we listen to? Uh... I don't know, those aren't like, those are not really three of my favorite Beatles songs, but, um, I guess we'll do Norwegian Wood, I don't know, let's see if we can get this going here. Well, let's hear all of them, for God's sakes, just a little bit. I don't know if this is on streaming or anything, this seems like a, a pretty random, like, album. Alright, here we go, Sgt. Peppers. I have to mention on the cover of Sgt. Peppers here, um. Hunts Hall from the Bowery Boys is there on the upper right. Uh, he's, if, you, if you see in the upper right, you see, uh, you know, uh, Bob Dylan. And the two to the left is Hunts Hall, right? Is that Hunts Hall or Leo Gorsi? It's Hunts Hall, right? So Leo Gorsi was also going to be on the cover from the Bowery Boys. But he denied their request to be on the cover and demanded money and stuff. So they edited him out. Can you imagine? He could have been on the cover. But uh, he was a complete a-hole, so they, they didn't let him on. Yeah. What's the other stuff? There's, there's like a, Is there like a bloody car representing the car accident that Paul McCartney had somewhere? Yeah. There's like that weird doll that says, welcome to Rolling Stones, and there's a car there. Yeah. The white car. Interesting. Anyway, let's check out the Ted Heath Orchestra and their take on the Beatles. Vinyl albums. I once had a girl or should I say she once had me I can't I can't get it in the hole. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay there we go. She showed me her room. Isn't it good? Norwegian wood. Here we go. Come on, Ted play it Hmm, this sounds like Bachmore. Did I do the wrong uh no. I think they're mixing they're they're doing a bit of a mashup here. <laughs> that a girl, or should I say? She once had me. She showed me her room. Isn't it good? Norwegian wood was in the morning and started to laugh. I told her I didn't and crawled off to sleep in the bath. Something wrong with this record. And when I awoke, I was alone. This bird had flown, so I lit a fire, isn't it good, Norwegian wood? What, did he burn her house down, or he just made a fire in the fireplace? What the hell happened? All right, What's the next song? I, I, I don't want to hear the others. I want to hear Beatles songs. Hey Jude. Let's see if we can get it in the, the groove here. Oh, that was the end of something else. I think it's this, this guy's in love with you. Here we go. Oh what the... na na All right. Enough with this crap. The Ted Heath orchestra sucks, okay? What's up with this Ted Heath crap? Garbage. Garbage. Rubbish. Complete rubbish. So the other day, driving home from my father's house, I stopped by uh, two bookstores. I went to uh, Madison, New Jersey, to this Chatham bookseller that I not been for a long time. And I bought these two copies of the Beatles books, one from uh, May 64 and one from October 65. So we're going to take a look at these, the Beatles books. I've seen images of these Little, this little f- publication Only ten bucks each And uh, then I went to the Short Hills Mall Which is a, a, real, a real pompous mall right? And they had uh, this, this bookstore They sell books and housewares And all sorts of stuff It's called Indigo And they had uh, If I can find it here I took a picture of their bookshelf They had a yeah, whole section of really like it, It's really good Like art books Like uh, coffee table books Let's see. Yeah, here it is. I took a picture of the shelf. Um, so they had The Beatles Get Back, which I guess was the uh, the book, the coffee table book that was kind of went along with the TV show Get Back. And Pico, I hope you've seen you're, you're seeing that show. That's an amazing show. Then they have another book, Harry Benson, The Beatles on the on the road, sixty three to sixty six from Tashin books. Is pictures of the Beatles on tour and then there's Paul
0: McCartney the lyrics oh I know I should have watched uh, Get Back I, I know I should have watched Get Back I have this block and I'm it's easing back and I am going to watch it especially if we do this whole to do with the, the, if nothing else when we hit the Let It Be album I will be totally obliged but I am to do it before then. It's just I don't know. Uh, i I will confess some sort of actual active resistance in my mind to watching seeing it. I'm not sure. Uh, a few notes uh the help movie um call me Boomer. All of that, the difference in our ages and when we came up makes all the difference. To me, the Indian thing is just some goofy trope. I never thought of it as being serious enough. And maybe that's the problem that it could be. But I never, especially in my younger days, associated with people from India. So I wouldn't have known. um, And and I, I can remember seeing it as a kid. One of the big takeaways was when Ringo gets covered with the red paint and the whole thing about the ring. But again, I came to it really young. I mean, five years old, four years old, whatever age I was, when I saw the movie and got the record and, and the place they lived to me that was just like the most amazing thing ever and all those scenes with them playing yeah i, I guess it, it another it's one of those you really had to be there cuz now yes i can now that you mention it i mean that thought had never occurred to me and i have watched the film within the last 10 years And the whole offensive, racist, Indian trope thing going on there. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the stupid boomer, but I stand by it. I mean, I just don't, don't, oh, how horrible I was. And now I need to make some rest. No, this was the prevailing culture of the time. And yeah, now it looks rather poor. I, I will concede that and just move along. And The Ruttles, maybe you don't remember, maybe you've never seen it. The Ruttles, one Saturday night, I used to watch Saturday Night Live every week. That's what was done. It's Saturday night. was the Saturday Night Live and whatever band and all of that. And one week... They took the week off, and they showed something called "All You Need Is Cash," which was a pre um, one of the earliest rock band mockumentaries, uh, and it was it was so good, uh, and that was the United States original exposure to the Ruttles. And yes, it was spun off of that Rutland. Uh, the, what a great series. If you've never seen that Rutland TV series that uh, Eric Idle did, uh, it, I th- most of them are usually up on YouTube, although that could have changed over the years. But those there is some really funny stuff. And George Harrison makes a few, uh, at least one or two interesting appearances during that series. Uh, Rutland Weekend Television, I think, is the name of it. A lot of those uh, post-Python series, Ripping Yarns, just delicious stuff. But uh, that's way off of the Beetle path. Uh, but that's definitely something to check out. Uh, God. it yeah let the, the move right along this is boy we got more than double our usual frank Nora here and i'm just lapping it up
5: edited with an introduction by paul muldoon i don't know what that is is that just paul mccartney's lyrics and then there's the beatles tune in which is a two volume set the first volume is gray the next one is red i'm not sure exactly what that is but yeah they had a bunch of beatles books there a whole row of beatles books on the next the next row down, you have ABBA, The Cure, 80s Music, and Elton John. 80s Sound and Vision. Wow, that looks pretty good. Anyway. Yeah. Um, the Beatles books. Yeah, let's, take, let's take a look at the Beatles books because these are these are cool. I also got the novel The Sotweed Factor by John Barth. I'll talk about I'll I'll get more into this whole book situation on the next episode of The Overnightscape to get a little bit more uh, information. But let's go over here and take a look at the Beatles books. The Beatles Book Monthly. Price one shilling and sixpence. What does that equate to? Let's see, the Beatles Book. It's a cool logo. May sixty four, published by Beat Publications in London. <laughs> oh wow, there's uh Norman Rossington a trial of strength with John waiting for the next take yeah he's the guy that played their manager in uh, Hard Day's Night here is the message from Johnny Dean the editor hi millions and millions of words have been written about John, Paul, George and Ringo during the past year so this month I thought it might be a nice change of a nice change to ask the boys what they thought about you Frederick James put the question and what they told him is included in this issue Billy Shepard. Wait, what? Billy Shepard? Isn't that sort of one of the names of the fake Paul? Sends his thanks to all those Beatle people who have written to him about his book, The True Story of the Beatles. It looks as though it's going to be up high in the paperback top ten. Yes, there really is one for a long time to come. Good on you, Billy. Personally, I always refer to it whenever I can't remember some fact or other about the boy's career. My biggest problem every month is deciding what letters to print on the next issue of your book. The Beatles always give me loads to go in, but there's only room for about a dozen each time, so please understand if yours is not included. That celebrated author John Winston Lennon has caused a big stir with his fantastic book John Lennon in his own right. The fab title was thought up by Paul, by the way. Competition-minded readers should turn immediately to page 11, where you can read all about the first Beatles book competition. There were four fab prizes, and each winner will get a personal letter from one of the Beatles. The questions aren't easy, but all the answers have been printed in either the Beatles book or the True Story of the Beatles, so regular readers shouldn't have too much difficulty. All of you will want to know the full de- details of what has been happening on the boys' first major movie, and Billy Shepard is giving you a full report split between this and the next issue. It's a very important event for the Beatles themselves and for all of us, because for the first time, Beatle people, you will, you will be able to see the boys in close-up as many times as you like in a way that you never have before. See you in number 11. Oh, this was number 10? Yeah. So what's the, uh, what's the, what are the questions? The Beatles' questions, let's see. Okay, here it is. First Beatles' book competition. The prizes are four of these fab HMV transistor radios plus a personal letter from one of the Beatles with each prize. (laughs) Yeah, the letter sounds much more valuable than the radio, but here's the questions. On what date was Love Me Do released in England? Month and year only. Name one school that Ringo went to. See, this is back before the internet. People couldn't look it up. They have to, like, it'd be hard to find this information. What singer did John and Paul write Misery for? In what month and year did John, Paul, and George sign with Brian Epstein? What is the name of the first disc jockey to play a Beatles record on the BBC? Name two of the boys who played with John Lennon's Quarrymen, when the group first formed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I'm sitting here, the sun is shining on the book here. Oh yeah, there's John Lennon in, in his own right. Author John Beatles got a big proud grin as he shows Paul, George, and Ringo his book. Yeah, and, and of course here there's tons of pictures of Paul. Which, And I was sort of talking about this on the exit ramp. You can sort of see what You know, I know we think of Paul looking like the current guy, but if you look at these pictures, it's a bit of a different look. You know. This month's Beatles song, This Boy. That boy took my love away. He'll regret it someday. But this boy wants you back again. Uh oh, this boy would be happy just to love you. But, oh, my, that boy won't be happy till he's seen you crying. Do, 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 Yeah, these are great books. It's in great shape, too. <coughs> oh, there's uh, what's his name who played uh, Paul's grandfather <laughs> on a break. I want a cup of tea. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I want me coffee. <laughs> he can talk, Kenny. Of course he can talk. He's a human being, any he? Well, if he's Joker Grandfather, Father, who knows? <laughs> yes, I obsess on that movie. Not so much that help, but I'm going to keep going with help. All right, let's see what's going on. 17, episodes, 17 issues later number 27 October 1965 still only one shilling and a sixpence let's see did you miss any of these issues you can get the old issues with the Beatles books Here's, this is a scary picture Ringo with two of the giant Beatle dolls that were given to the boys during their American tour these frightening dolls they're meant to look like Beatles <laughs> get out of here Young Paul, another picture of Paul with a weird hat on. I'm sure someone scanned these in, they must be online somewhere, but I, I haven't really looked at, into these. The American tour report. Yeah. Ringo. I guess they don't mention Pete Best at all, he's, he's, he's like gone you think they him, give him, give you know, something like, oh, whatever happened to Pete Best or something like that. I don't think they did anything like that. This month's Beatles song. So Oh, it's a good one. Here I stand head in hand Turn my face to the wall If she's gone I can't go on Feeling two feet small Everywhere people stare each and every day I can see them laugh at me and I hear them say Hey you've got to hide your love away yes But I want to see what the Beatles had to say about their fans in the, in this previous issue and see what Paul has to say. Everything happened so quickly last year that we didn't get a chance to sit back and take it all in. A few weeks ago, we were working on the film in a London theatre. We were shooting a concert sequence with a special audience of fans and make it just like an ordinary one-night stand. As I stood there in the centre of the stage and heard all the screaming and applause, I realised just how much the fans mean to me. Now I just can't wait to get back to doing a concert tour of Britain. Singing and playing to live audiences brings us into close contact with our fans. Everybody can let themselves go. Us up on stage and the fans down in the stalls. We can all get together and have a whale of a time. I can't explain the terrific feeling it gives me personally when I know that everyone in the audience is with us. It makes everything so worthwhile. I can tell you straight that it warms the cockles of my heart, and it urges me to try even harder than before. I know we'll be seeing all sorts of exciting uh, new places on our overseas trips in the next few months, but none of them will give me as much personal pleasure as touring from town to town at home in this country. What else do fans mean to me? They mean stacks of get-well cards if I have a cold, lots of warm wishes from thousands of people all over Britain, Whenever there's a birthday or Christmas around, helpful people pointing out the way in unfamiliar towns we visit and get lost in. Sometimes I get talking to groups of fans and I realize they know all about me and my family, just as though they were close relatives. It's a great feeling to hear them ask after my father or my brother, and I know they're really sincere, or they just talk about the Beatles. Yeah, I see some very uh, sincere words. So much information about the Beatles. See, I mean, as big of a Beatles fan as I am, I have not delved into this kind of stuff. Hey, you've got to hide the old Paul away. No, wait a second. That's not the lyric. Hey, you've got to hide that you're not really Paul. Hey, hey. So I wanted to check out the the Beatles' seventh Christmas record that I referred to last time that has the bit of Baroque hoedown on there. This is nineteen sixty-nine. And uh <clears throat> see what they have to say here.
8: Now you
7: lads, if you just shout Happy Christmas all into this day. <laughs> hey?
6: Happy
7: Christmas. Yeah. Pop one, two, three. Happy Christmas. <laughs> thank you, thank <laughs> you. Happy Christmas.
8: a garden with your wife uh, Yoko but, uh, There's Yoko
7: oh, well, uh, Do you have any uh, special thoughts uh, for, for Christmas? Well Yoko, uh, it is Christmas and uh, my special thoughts of course turn towards uh, eating <laughs> Alright, so eating
3: well,
7: What do you like to eat? <laughs> well, I'd like some cornflakes uh.
5: Sitting on a cornflake Waiting for the van to come. What are they obsessed with cornflakes? What's going on?
7: I hey, have uh, Parisian hands, <laughs> and I'd like to blessed by Hare Krishna Mantra.
10: <laughs> yes, have a wonderful Christmas.
6: Have a jolly new year.
10: Make sure that
6: Christmas comes once again. Yes, Happy New year. all of us. This is George Harrison saying Happy Christmas, Happy Christmas, Christmas,
5: Christmas, Happy Happy. Oh, good evening to you, Daniel. Good evening to you, Daniel. It's like that's that similar kind of like hyperactive, like weird vibe, like when they're on the radio. Like somehow they got into this weird. I don't know. Like what was that considered? Like I was like psychedelic, or it's a certain style to that. But did any other artists like go nuts like this and be all weird, or was that uniquely to the Beatles? I'm happy to be here to you like, Do you ever hear the Rolling Stones go nuts like this? I doubt it, you know As someone says in the comments here No band in history has been so popular and so weird at the same time Oh, I
2: hope you will
3: enjoy The coming sports day of our life Is mother's little boy Morning. Love, love you like
7: here. I think it's simply splendid uh, I'm overwhelmed by its sanctuary
10: mm-hmm. so uh, you don't mind this uh, high gates and things, I mean the wall the well, I, I always loved uh,
7: high.
5: Walls. I wonder what the Christmas record sounded like in the original timeline that Yoko hadn't arrived yet
7: <laughs> the Elizabethan high wall is something I've always loved you see? What are you talking
5: about? <laughs> yeah, that's one of these. I I probably still have the tape somewhere. I, I bought from the bootleg guy just of all, the, of all the Christmas records on a cassette tape back in the 90s. Probably early 90s. <laughs>
3: This is the wish you're merry, mm, merry Christmas This is the wish you just a man to be say the wish you just a happy, happy new year This is the wish you and a memory,
6: I'd like to say that I hope everybody listening to this has a very happy time at Christmas and has a good, fortunate, lucky new year uh, and a good time to be had by all. Merry Christmas.
7: the 70s to come we've had the swinging
5: 60s and I was wondering Mrs. Lennon how you saw I hope this the is the right one uh, maybe it's this maybe it's the uh... 70s, you know. Oh, hold on so is it is gonna it gonna the, be is be the 68 right? one yes.
7: and freedom. I see freedom, mm. and everything. Mm. I see Pretty nice
8: just i think i'm
5: around and i think yeah i think this happened last time i did this too i had the wrong one beatles christmas beatles christmas sixty eight i don't think i'm looking for because <clears throat> i know i know i i went down this road on the show at some point in the past and had the same uh the same screw up let's see. Beatles christmas nineteen sixty eight where is it side A
2: Hello this is a big high and a sincere Merry Christmas from yours truly Ringo Starr.
5: Desmond has Desmond has a barrow in the marketplace Molly is the singer in a band Happy Christmas,
9: happy Easter, happy autumn,
2: happy Micklemas, everybody. Micklemas, everybody, too. What is
5: Micklemas? I thought that was.
6: I'd like to wish everybody
2: happy Christmas this year of 1960 eight going on 69 happy christmas happy new year all the best to you from here i like to wish everybody happy christmas happy new year
10: there here, been here.
5: Been here. Been here. Been here. So That's Helter Skelter sped up before... Uh... Chuck Manson, uh, Charlie Manson, uh, took the name for his uh, plan to create some sort of race riots in America. Helter Skelter.
9: Two... I think
5: I think this is some of uh, John's writings.
9: They were strictly in love, bound to happen in a million years. They were together, man. Unfortunate timetable, they seemed to have previous experience, which kept calling them one way or another. You know how it is. But they battled on against overwhelming oddities, including some of their beast friends. Being in love, they clung together even more, man, but some of the poisonous monster, outdated bus hip throwers did stick slightly, and they occasionally had to resort to the dry-cleaners. Luckily, this did not kill them, and they weren't banned from the Olympic Games. They lived hopefully ever after, and who
5: could blame them? Uh, That's
9: it. Well, here we are again. Another fab Christmas. That's what really freaked me out when I heard that. They lived hopefully ever after, and who could blame them?
5: Uh, Because in the Disney Main Street Electrical Parade, um has that same theme, you know. But for many years later. Right, this is the version Disney used. It's burned into my brain. Right, and then of course, Baroque Hoedown is where it all came from. And that was around that same time. Right, by uh, Jean Jacques (laughs) Perry. But you have to remember it, I mean, it was incredibly important to me in my Disney World fandom that song. So to hear it on a Beatles record was blew my mind. Where is it again? One more time.
9: Some of the poisonous monsters did stizz to the dry cleaners. Luckily, this did not kill them, and they weren't banned from the Olympic Games. They lived hopefully ever after, and who could blame them? Um,
5: Wow. I found uh, John Lennon's In His Own Right. If we can take a look at. uh, Let's see. Should we read some stuff from John Lennon's book? Sad Michael, page 35. There was no reason for Michael to be sad that morning. The little wretch. Everyone liked him. The scab he'd had a hard day's night that day for Michael was a cocky watchtower his wife Bernie who was well controlled had robbed his Norman lunch but he was still sad it was strange for a man have everything and a wife to boot at four o'clock when his fire was birking brightly and a policeman had clubbed in to pass the time around good even Michael the policeman speak. But Michael did not answer, for he was Deb and Duff and could not speak. How's the wife, Michael, spoke the policeman. Shut up about that. I thought you were Deb and Duff and could not speak, said the policeman. Now what am I going to do with all my Deb and Duff books, said Michael, realizing straight away here was a problem to be reckoned with. The end. What the hell kind of writing is that? What's up with this guy? let's see the Fingle Toad resort of tedavicious pecklin braces gran arthur how many body people wash petal in places so he's like having words that sound like other words in a recent dobbity potterdy poll a roaming reporter intervined asking do you like big grunty better than gray burke to those question many people answered. On the other hand, who are we to judge? I mean, who are we? What is he talking about? What's wrong with this Lenin? Here's a short one. The moldy, moldy man. I am a moldy, moldy man. I'm moldy through and through. I'm a moldy, moldy man. You would not think it's true. I'm I'm moldy till my eyeballs. I'm moldy till my toe. I will not dance. I shy balls. I'm such a humble Joe. I I, I don't know, did, did this guy have like an editor? Did someone like this was off of this this writing of his? You know, it, it, it may not be as good as uh, you know. Let's see what people have to say about his book in his own right. Let's see if, if someone on uh Goodreads. Uh, people uh, people probably think this is like brilliant. <clears throat> Let's see. One star. I am a John Lennon fan, but this is complete crap. If you think this book is any good, I bet you like the cut and color of the Emperor's new clothes, too. Here's someone saying, Mary says it's five stars. People will say, this book is absolute crap. They are dead wrong. They obviously have a short attention spam, because this book is so meaningful. If you're willing to read this book, I I suggest you take your time and read it slowly. ay ay ay, Jeez. Casa says, read this over 50 years ago. It still sits in a place of honor on my shelves. A favorite. Really? Michaelmas. There is a Michaelmas. Okay. It's a different kind of a festival. Okay, good. Good festival. I uh, I also wanted to check out the Beatles cartoon. I don't think I ever really saw this cartoon. It was not in reruns by the time I was uh, sort of uh, watching TV. Started, you know, and I know I know I was watching Sesame Street in '69 as a little toddler. So, but I don't know. About the here's episode 12 of the Beatles cartoon. Apparently, it was pretty popular. <laughs> This is an intro, it's obviously not part of the cartoon. The Beatles. Everybody's trying to be my baby. There they are, the cartoon beatles.
6: This doesn't look like the road to Tokyo. Maybe I'd better take another look at the map.
5: <laughs> of course there there's someone else doing their voices as usual. <laughs>
6: Did you find Tokyo, Ringo? I can't even find Japan. I can't make anything out of this ruddy map.
0: I can.
3: <laughs> hey.
5: A Chinese hat.
3: <laughs> oh, honorable
6: departed.
5: Uh-oh. Artist. Uh-oh. Okay. Now we see why they're not showing this anymore. Okay.
6: We beg of you to return to us in earthly form.
9: We have set out food and silks to
5: please you. Uh oh. Yeah, this is not going to fly oh, in today's world.
6: Of the past. And Ratos find you here, back from the spirit world. We
9: shall return in the morning.
3: <laughs> what is it? We better stop
8: somewhere for the night. Look, boys, there's a place.
6: Food. I saw it first.
9: Where did everybody go? All together now.
6: 90 night, ducks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
5: kind of hard to take this cartoon but.
9: Now, to make ceremonial sounds, to call up
5: the... Yeah, I know, I know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> oh, I know something fun to do. Let's go on eBay and see what the most expensive Beatles thing is on eBay. I, I did not preview this. I'm not, I'm not, uh... A... Let's see. Price plus shipping highest first. Here is, uh... The Beatles priceless historical museum piece, Abbey Road, Rowan Airs. What? What what is it, though? Hmm. Extremely rare and historic piece of Beatles history. Their last autograph signed around the Barbershop Quartet and the only surviving piece of memorabilia, which featured in the video from Maxwell's Silver Hammer, drawn by John Lennon. Oh, okay. So it's like a, a... there's there's yeah, I don't think it's worth a million dollars. So i get out of here. One of a kind historical original Beatles signed Ed Sullivan Q, Q Sheet two hundred and fifty grand. What is this? The Beatles final appearance on the Ed Sullivan show and there's all their autographs. Uh you know, obviously this is worth some money. I don't know about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Jeez. Uh Beatles a collection of Beatles guitars in Canada Beatles, Sergeant Pepper's, executives cover, rare, hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Beatles signed, please, please me, nineteen sixty-three, one fifty grand. Uh, hmm, Sign, signed records. Beatles original stage from the first ever show. Oh, P- oh, wooden boards from the stage. Okay, that's a bit iffy. More things that are signed. Uh. John Lennon's glasses, circa 1965, with letters of provenance. You buy John Lennon's granny glasses for $75,000. John Lennon's white suit. How do you know if any of this stuff is real? $69,000. First day issue, white album CD. Wait, the white album CD from 87 is $69,000? Police. Please, please. A preamp from, Ab- from uh, Abbey Road Studios. What? Get out of here. <clears throat> Paul McCartney's Beatles Epiphone Texan Body signed guitar. Fifty grand. A T-shirt for fifty thousand dollars. Rare Beatles Revolution sneaker ad. No, it's a t-shirt it's not what is wrong with these people listen I, I I guess there's some crazy collectors out there but I'm not gonna buy any of this crap let me see Beatles trading cards autograph frame display with vintage guitars what oh this is kind of cool they have a Beatles book. And they have those those miniature guitars. That, remember, there's that there's that store at American Dream Mall that sells candles and those all those miniature guitars. It's crap. It's not worth that. Forty thousand dollars? Yeah, right. But they're claiming they have a signed picture of all four Beatles. Get out of here. Get out of here. What's this? The Beatles pinball machine? Is there a Beatles pinball machine? Hmm. Thirty thousand dollars. Hold on. Let's let's see let's see the Beatles pinball machine. Let's see, Beatles Pinball Machine. Videos? The Beatles Pinball Machine. Yeah, from 2019. Well, this videos from 2019. Let's see what they have to say here about the Beatles. This is the intro. Beatles Pinball Machines. (coughs) The Gold Edition from Stern Pinball. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw Everybody, this one. This is Nick from the
9: Arcade Hunters.com. Welcome back to the Pinball Dudes of Jupiter, Florida at 880 Jupiter Park Drive. And we are here checking out the Beatles. Beatlemania Pinball. Now, this is a very special uh, limited run game that um, they're doing. This game came out um, December of last year. Let's
5: fast forward to see 80, how it sounds.
9: One or eighty.
1: B times play 35.
5: the damn game. A couple skill, not a lot of Shut people. Up.
1: I'm gonna go for drive my car,
9: which is a ramp multi ball. gotta go through there and try to do, um, the spin around and around.
3: It's
5: getting very annoying. What was that other Beatles? Was there like a Beatles, like, uh, Beatles video games. What what Beatles video games are there? Like, um, yeah, the Beatles rock band. Yeah, what was that all about? I never had that. The Beatles rock band. Can we like get a playthrough? Story mode part one. Let's see.
6: How's
9: your day? How's your boy
5: Press Start button to continue. Seventeen.
6: One, two, three, five.
5: It's all animated. She was just seventeen, and she'd never been a beauty queen. Let me fast forward here. Oh wow, they have like 3D computer animated Beatles. I'm talking about boys, yeah. Ringo, g- telling how he loves boys so much. Talking about boys, yeah. So weird. I'm in love with you. Woo! This looks like a good game. We well, can just watch the video. You don't really have to play the game. But what, what about the part where they get, uh, like, into the 60s and stuff? Let's see. But no, into the um, the psychedelic era, the final era. Part 2, Shea Stadium. What about Part 3? Yeah. Let's see. What is Part 3 at all about here? Oh, this is so darling, this them piece. on the roof. How about the
1: That'll be good. She's so
5: heavy yeah, enough. E. Hey. Yeah, so there was one thing that I remember I cannot find a single thing about it, which was that around the time Get Back came out, there was something kind of I think it was sort of an official project to take the uh, the song fragments that were part of the materials uh, for Get Back and recreate those songs and I thought it was a, a semi-official thing but I can find nothing about it now online right, they, they, you know there were all these songs that bits and pieces of were on these recordings and they never got turned into actual songs so I cannot find a single thing about it, if anyone knows let me know Anyway, here is The Hunt for Yellow October. This was uh, our really almost like a proto podcast back in uh, September 91. Train, Crap, and Blood number eight cartoons. This is where we combined a cartoon with something else and did a little parody. And uh, this is The Hunt for Yellow October combining Yellow Submarine and The Hunt for Red October, a movie starring uh, Sean Connery. Sorry, that's not it. I got a lot. What? I got a lot. You got a what? (laughs) Folks, it's time to really raise the uh, tempo a little bit on this program. We all remember the fun-loving Beatles of the 60s, the world's premier band. Hey, the Beatles of every decade, that is to say. Well... Now, the Yellow Submarine gets involved in some international nuclear hijinks in The Hunt for Yellow October. <laughs> hey, Ringo. It's look out at, at the port side of the sub. Oh my it God. looks like there's some sort of a nuclear submarine chasing us. Oh, my God, I'm scared. What am I going to do about it? Where's Paul? Hey, guys, how are you doing? Oh, how's it going there? Hanging in there. Yeah, you know, I saw that magic that magic uh, glove before. Oh, really? Yeah, it was in a hallway full of like, like magic colors and stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, no, it's an emergency. I'm oh going to go out. Ringo, go? What? to fake a nuclear accident. I don't want to do that, you bloody no, blow. We what? have to infect the nuclear accident so oh, they can take the idea. yellow submarine.
6: Oh my god, this would be tough! Ringo, go get the uranium. Okay, I got the uranium. Now,
5: shove it down your throat, Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do? Kill me you bloody blow? Hey look Ringo, this isn't even our real voices. It doesn't matter. This oh. is a cartoon, you can't die. Oh, shut up! Shove it down your throat, Ringo. And when Sean Connery comes, he won't get us. <laughs> Here he comes now. Hey you oh, know. Oh, This yellow you know, submarine is mine now. Uh-oh, uh oh nuclear accident. <laughs> now you see there, Ringo. That saved our lives. It sure did. You actually gave me a sore throat. Oh there you go. Always
3: joking.
5: <laughs> 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 oh that was so good. That was a good day. We're We're very <coughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll get through this and then maybe we'll we'll, we'll 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 get ourselves on track.
7: Maybe we should can it. I think it's
5: good. Wait.
7: Fuck sound- while I'm eating. Alright. Well, first of all This episode was organized so much and now <laughs> Excuse me, John, but I actually we went to a lot of preparation to get this show on the road. Now, hey, I didn't... Fred, this show sucks,
3: too. <laughs> Come here, you
5: fuck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There we go. <clears throat> what is this, the Hunt for Green December now? Oh, it's one of those uh, Creative Commons music things. Pretty good, i better put this on the other side. A hunt for green October. Alright, out here on the porch. Some final thoughts on the Beatles here. Ooh, it's the Amazon truck. I wonder if they're delivering any Beatles products to anyone. Perhaps, still a lot of Beatles products out there. Now of course, uh, I want to mention the Monkees, a band that clearly was inspi- <coughs> inspired by the Beatles. I think the uh, the movie Hard Days Night, right, and the band having these sort of semi surreal hijinks and having fun. I think was uh, really the inspiration behind the Monkees. And the Monkees became so much more. It almost sort of seemed like the Monkees were sort of riding on that same crest of that same wave that the Beatles were, though they were. Inspired by, um, and they were not as real of a band, supposedly, as the Beatles were. But uh, it's just another, they, they really coincided uh, with the Beatles and, you know, had that, obviously, the stigma of being a fake band, kind of a real band. But I love the Monkees. Of course, the Beatles taking, uh, you know, the. the no, Romeo the cat was here, and he went across the street before the Amazon truck came. Right, the beetles, I think were, if I recall correctly, kind of inspired by the name of the crickets, <coughs> and uh, so beetles, as a beet, B-E-A-T, combined with beetle, the name of the insect. So the monkeys, of course, taking another animal, a monkey, and misspelling it, you know, though without any particularly clever... Right, beat the Beatles and are, are sort of in like uh, guys that love to make a good beat. The Beatles, right? Monkeys and hey, 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 we're the monkeys. The people say we monkey around. Right. All right, I got a package. I got an Amazon package. Don't know what it is though. We're too busy singing. Put anybody down yes. And I just want to talk about that style of music, right? What is preventing anyone from like a young group from adopting that style of music? And I know there have been here and there revivalists and stuff, but right it would just be incredible just hearing any of those Beatles songs like any anyone even coming close to that style anymore. Is it that the style sounds bad now? No, it still sounds amazing. Um, why aren't bands like trying to make music like that? I think maybe the songs a lot of the Beatles songs sound very simple, but they are not simple and they're you know probably hard to make good music that way but sort of on on the thing that I was talking about last time, I do think it's interesting to sort of um, look at the Beatles as if everything about them, let's just focus in on that one theory which is pretty much my own theory you know uh, about uh, the interdimensional society, right? The idea that aspects of the Beatles phenomenon were imported from another dimension, right? The music, some of the styles, and just some of the vibes right coming from another dimension because it's just weird that and I know I know something like the Ruttles, right they're able to make music that kind of sounds beatlesque but I don't know if any other group has really ever kind of captured and I can't really put it into words but that beatle sound right it sounds effortless but it's sort of irreproducible in some ways weird you know in the uh Just the thought that right? we here on Earth are one of many worlds in this interdimensional society and that we have been uh, under some sort of law or some sort of command that we not know about the interdimensional society. So we have been given the narrative that our world is this big blue marble floating through a, some sort of cosmic void. And as far as we know, we're the only intelligent species. and um, Even the conspiracy theories like the flat Earth or the hollow Earth all kind of imply a three-dimensional world and they sort of steer you away from higher dimensional geometries that would be necessary for the interdimensional society. And something that uh, was mentioned on the... Uh, who was it Nate I forget who it was or maybe it was uh Jan Erik so, someone mentioned about the UFOs that that there there is a new uh report out about from the US government about UFOs or what they call UAPs unidentified aerial phenomenon uh, he, the they were saying that some of the interpretations were that this is more likely interdimensional than outer space so the flying saucers the unidentified aerial phenomenon are Phenomena are coming from another dimension Not from outer space Anyway yeah, I paused there for a second A guy was walking by walking his dog I waved to him He's like oh that smells good cause I, was, I said comfortably numb It's a comfortably numb cigar Anyway where was I Talking about this stuff Yeah so You know The uh, the whole UFO thing Which I suppose Right You could say It's a whole hoax The whole UFO thing is a hoax how are all these people seeing UFOs all the time? The U.S. government is admitting that they have you know, seen them and that Navy pilots have seen them all the time and there's no explanation for them. To me, this is not conclusive proof, but it's some, some bit of evidence, again, that there's something going on. But the theory especially, and this is more my theory. I don't know if anyone else really... I don't know how I got to this theory. Particularly, it's built up from all the stuff I've read on the Internet, basically, but... That uh, if we're being lied to, essentially, and not told the truth about the nature of our world and the larger uh, interdimensional society that we live in, that there must be some question or some reason why, and that to tell us the truth, obviously, would be very painful, would be very disconcerting, and very tough. I think it's even tougher now than it would be uh, um, if it happened you know, longer ago. Because any evidence they could present us now would be considered, oh, it's computer graphics, it's fake, it's fake news, you know. But that, as I mentioned last time, this is just a theory that, say, there was a plan to open open it up, reveal revelation, disclosure, they were going to tell the whole truth in 1970. And that they were going to reveal to the world the truth of the situation, You know, the human race was the result of a kind of a a, a genetic experiment gone wrong. It really wasn't meant to go on. But we found that the human being has unique characteristics that are unmatched in the entire interdimensional society. And that they felt that by closing this world off, we could have a much greater human experience, that is, humans in the interdimensional society would be considered uh, less than a lot of the other intelligent races, much less than, smaller, stupider, shorter-lived, right? And that it would totally change our view of ourselves if we knew the truth, right? But, at the same time, yes, living a life as a human on planet Earth is a fulfilling, rewarding experience, right? At some point, it feels kind of wrong to lie to a whole billions of people on this one world and out of many right and that they might want to let us know the truth at some point right? so the idea was that they wanted to prepare the society for this it was going to happen in nineteen seventy so in the early sixties the plan was through popular music through the mass media and popular culture to prepare society for this, this uh, revealing moment in 1970, right? <coughs> and so <coughs> and so, the idea of the Illuminati, whatever, are just uh, an echelon of humans, essentially, but who will have some contact with those outside and kind of take their marching orders from those outside this world in the interdimensional society. And uh, they sought out a musical group that had formed naturally. So the idea is the Beatles were a group that formed completely without any of the influence of this uh, echelon of control and they found them early on, maybe 61, 62 right, early on they found them and they involved them in this plan that they they would uh, provide them um, music. So Again, I hate to say this theory that the Beatles didn't actually make that music, but that's what this theory involved. They're just providing this music that is so much better than other music out there and in some way hacking the morphic field to make this into a huge phenomenon. But the content of the music, right? It started off like love songs, fun songs, and then it started getting more introspective. Then it started getting really druggy and psychedelic, right? All you need is love. Right, that it was going to continue on and change the world and and you might say that the monkeys were involved in that Laurel Canyon scene out a few years later mid-60s out in Los Angeles they would have been part of the same plan to create the hippies and create everything this would be as opposed to it being a cynical attempt by the military-industrial complex to reduce uh, war protests, you know. In this theory, the point was to prepare society for this change and that the Beatles were central, central to the plan. That's why when Paul died accidentally, they used their considerable resources to create a replacement and maybe a clone, maybe someone else, maybe someone from another similar world that, you know, whatever. Alternatively, it is possible that Paul rebelled and refused to be involved anymore and they had to replace him that way, in which case he might not be dead. They may have uh, taken him out of this world and let him live in another world and his replacement came to replace him. He may not be dead at all, right? Instead of Paul is dead, Paul's in another dimension, yeah. That sounds like a good theory. Paul's not dead. He's in another dimension. There you go. But for some reason, the plan was canceled. They decided to go in a different direction, at least in the timeline we're living in. I have to imagine they would have maybe split the timeline so that they... right? If you imagine this, the idea that by uh, committing to uh, revelation or disclosure in this way... You're changing a world, and you're sort of loo- you're, you'd be losing a lot of what could have happened, as w- as we saw what did happen since 1970. A lot of amazing stuff, amazing cultural art, everything, right? So the idea is that perhaps they split the timeline, and that plan went through in one timeline. They did open the gates and welcome the Earth into the interdimensional society. Where's my cigar? I just dropped it. <laughs> the hell. Um, not much left of this cigar but, um, but then a split off timeline this one the, uh, in order not to lose the potential that this world had continuing in the, um, in, the, in the sense that it was not changed but with the influence of that weird moment in history what we know of as the late 60s keeping that intact, but then not opening the gates and just shunting off another timeline, right? This would be as opposed to splitting it earlier before the project even started, splitting it around 1960, right? And maybe all these splits still exist. They've maintained all of these split timelines to see how things went. All for the purpose of creating an environment a milieu, a space to live as a human being and live a life as we've all been living in this timeline. It has a lot to offer and there's a lot of great things. Can you imagine all of the things that happened since 1970? Uh, in the disclosure timeline, a lot of that stuff wouldn't have happened, right? The, the golden age of video games, for example we would have had access to far different technologies and far different amusements in the, in the Disclosure timeline. So this timeline being preserved, where we got that sort of glimpse of, we didn't even know what it was. We thought it was just great music and a cultural shift in, in the youth. Right? So that's why I think the Beatles are this pivotal event in, in history that, that really changed things. So we're in a a hybrid timeline where the Beatles thing did happen and the preparations did happen, but then the the gates did not open right and I think that this thought that splitting histories from different points to see how it how it goes to produce rich um experiential constructs does make some kind of sense. (laughs) I know. I know it's all it's it's all speculation and it would make a good science fiction story. But maybe it's real. (laughs) Who knows? Anyway. The Beatles. I I still haven't finished watching Help. I'll keep watching it. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's nowhere near as good as... uh, our day's night anyway and in the end the segments done and time to go back to p q do
3: do do do
0: do 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 you you can slice it any number of ways and you still get the music and that's elaborate that that, that you've been building this for many years mr nora and that i like you say i can't say it's not true i have no evidence to the contrary uh you are building at least a fascinating mystery but I, I got the music and the albums and what's all... There's so much lore there that's like UFOs and the Beatles connected. Ah, uh, yeah. And I don't want to sound dismissive of this because, as I say, you could be onto something here. And I could be caught up just in... But, yeah, listen to the and only catching some small aspect of something much bigger. And I've already conceded that this is something much bigger. But I don't know. They they could do it again if they did it before. Or maybe they're just moving their psyops into other areas. I don't know. But they did change the entire face of music in a way that speaking of it from here it just it's hollow words unless you were there it really is and that's the funny aspect so as i said what we're gonna do here as i thank shambles and q and frank for uh participate and you for uh, what you're going to do in the future because again we're going to review these uh, Beatle albums but we don't have to necessarily I mean I'm not expecting a bunch of people to go through all these albums and review them all I mean shambles maybe and here's how we're going to do it I mean, there's a bunch of ways you could do it. And the, the question, do you, where do you start? Do you start with the anthology and start finding tracks? And, no. Uh, for the purposes of simplification, I mean, I was going to do the American release albums because that's how I'm familiar. Uh, I, it's still a transition for me not to think of what, meet the Beatles as that first, first, beatles lp record and it won't be eradicated and by any real standard unless you're dismissing the united kingdom which we used to do very conveniently of course uh please please me is the one and yes that's the one that we are all or whoever uh, joins in the fun are going to review uh, what is it? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 tunes and I believe it's still well under 40 minutes um, uh, what I have access to is a remaster not a remix uh, from 2009 and, uh, I believe it's minoral uh, but, and that could be a, f- a small factor, but uh, we're not going to be that precious and pick a Yoon, so to speak, but next week here on the Overnightscape Central, the topic will be Beatles, Please Please Me, and, uh, Anything you can tie in there, even remotely. I mean, you want to talk about something way out in left field or totally unrelated, and uh, just go P.Q. Please, please, now me and jump with the the overnightscape central. Allows a great amount of leeway and uh, the expression, so to speak. So, uh, you have that. And uh, this looking at this. This really, uh, there are some songs that are from that, so to speak, uh, Meet the Beatles album. But these are songs that I first heard on like singles, and there was an introducing the Beatles record that was on some funky label that circulated around that a lot of these were on as well but yeah i'm i'm oh god the beetle brain is so setting in so uh yeah here's how it's going to work next wednesday possibly thursday uh so the deadline for the uh, program will be the 25th of January, 2023 in the evening tide. And, um, that's mountain time and just drop me an email saying I'm working on something and we can, this show can be held a day. Uh, it's not a problem. And now we're kind of going to know what's coming for the next, uh, several weeks, at least if this falls flat, we may drop it, but I'm going to try to get more people in on this because I know a lot of, I mean, like Dave in Kentucky, I'd be really interested. Bob Lament, uh, people who were a little older and their impressions, even the ones, I mean, there are people who thought the Beatles were ridiculous back in the day. And I would like to perhaps hear from some of those. This, this, There's a lot of perspectives that can be taken here. So uh, with that, uh give you the email address for your participation because I don't think I gave that. And it is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Repeat that once now. kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Com. And uh, you can always reach me on the OnSug Facebook page or in the comments. It's just, it, I'm I'm around. Uh, maybe not immediately sometimes, but uh, I, I catch up pretty good. That I, I, there are a few loose ends from uh, 2011 still floating around, but we won't discuss those. No, no, we won't, um, because. Is this scatterbrain PQ River? That's that's nothing new. Uh, Beatles on the Overnight Scape Central. Are you digging it? I hope you are, and I hope you join us next week when we are. Please, please meing it up, uh, all together. And with that, I uh, appreciate your ears and, uh, We will catch you the next time. Set the controls for the heart of the fun, would you?